This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Emilio left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field, and gone! Otani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, I can tell you today... That it's all smiles. Today is a really, really special day. And we love the fact that David Feldman, our A's historian, is going to be by a top 10, an A's top 10 for green and gold history at 1.30. Love that. We'll replay my interview with Vita Blue that I did on Saturday for the 1972 World Series team. Love that. Chip Carey, longtime voice of the Braves, of the Carey family fame, will be here at 2.30. Love that also. But uh, coming up here, you got the you got the number, right? Coming up here is Greg Koenig. Excuse me, Greg Koenig. His son Jared is making his debut. I have known Greg for almost 30 years. And I remember when he was talking about, hey, my son's pretty good. Colleges are looking at him. And to think about this kid's journey to go from independent ball, pitching in Australia. I mean, you're pitching around the world. Guys like that never think they're making the big leagues or maybe maybe they have an outside hope. But, you know, you're not a bonus baby. You're not a guy that they're rushing to the big leagues. I mean, this story is unbelievable. And it's one of the reasons why you sign with the A's. You know what? I totally forgot to tell him our number's not coming from the Bay Area. Did you text him? That's what I just sent him because he didn't answer the first time. Yeah. Yeah, just a, a little inside baseball here when we call people. Can I say, is it a New York number? or It's Boston now. It's a Boston yeah. number, so people are like, who the hell is calling me? Greg, are you there? Mine says Google Meet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, buddy, I was just telling the story about how I've known you for almost 30 years, and yeah. I remember when you were talking about your son that colleges were looking at him, and you guys were just so happy about that. And to think that his incredible journey and 
I mean, pinch yourself. You're at you're in Atlanta, and your son is making his major league ba- major league baseball debut today. This is amazing for your family. Uh, we're we're blown away. Uh, you know, Chris, my wife's in New York City because she's with um, uh, Kevin's girls, um, uh, taking them to the city for a week. So she can't even be here. So she's finding a you know a sports bar so that she can watch this thing. Uh, you know, so I had to come in. My younger son Ian's here. Uh, my dad flew in from South Bend. Uh, I've got some friends from high school. My college roommates coming in. Um, it's ridiculous, dude. Um, I don't even have to, I don't I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I'm, it's such a surreal experience. Uh, the whirlwind, the stuff going through, and I'm so proud of the kid for just. I mean, he's come so far and so many battles and so many obstacles and all of a sudden it's like what i I, I i remember when the a's signed him and i texted you it's like you know i mean when you when you sign with the a's clearly anything can happen tell our audience though about your son's journey multiple colleges independent ball pitching around the world just tell us a story how he got here you got it well you know it's it's uh it started in high school it pitched for aptos high school um you know and he and he was part of a a a tandem staff there that was excellent you know and we just about won ccs his senior year we came up short against saint ignatius um in the in 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 washington park there i think in san jose Uh, or that might actually no that was actually at spartan stadium you know uh, or san jose state stadium now you know whatever it was a um it was unreal uh so you know from there he had you know, a little recruiting at some major schools, San Diego State had looked at him. Um, what what caught his eye was um, um, Central Arizona, which is an outstanding D1 JUCO. They saw him pitching at some event in um, in, in Phoenix, and um, you know he he was able to uh, you know get a get a full ride there. Essentially, uh, even for a JUCO, it was kind of nice. I didn't have to worry about anything. He uh, went off there, and you know he went 11 and one there and did really well. And then the Chicago White Sox. Uh, drafted him that in that 35th round in 2014. Now that was exciting, right? We thought, you know, hey, a good chance here. But that was the year Carlos Rodon signed for over slot, and you know, under that new uh, collective bargaining agreement, everything that uh, you know, the signing bonuses, they they forced him to. He, he really the, the White, White Sox didn't have any money to sign him, so he kind of went unsigned. And uh, all right, well, he'll go to school and got a you know got a full ride to um, uh, Old Dominion of all places. Yeah. Now, on top of that, you know, uh, Old Dominion didn't work out for him so well. He uh, struggled there. Didn't didn't show the form that he had shown um, uh, previously, you know. And so uh, he actually was released from his scholarship, and that was really like a you know one of the first real um, setbacks that he had suffered. An amazing, you know, just a, a real heartbreaker. And you know, on the way back from, uh, you know, I went back to I flew back to. He drove partway back to uh, California. I flew to St. Louis, and we went to a, the ballpark there and then um, came uh, west and stopped at a few other places. Uh, ended up in Arizona and stopped at, um, I, I want to say, maybe it was northern Arizona. And the pitching coach there um, was somebody we had talked to, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, a uh, former major leaguer. But he saw Jared and in a few minutes had corrected um, – some of the stuff that he that Old Dominion had done to him. Next thing you know, he's thrown a little better, and so he we get home and uh, talks to uh, um, uh, CSUMB at Monterey Bay, and quickly jump right in deck because we had talked about maybe taking a year off and then trying to get back to D1. Um, but he wanted to keep going, 
And he did did pretty well with the otters, you know. Um, but again, no draft, no, uh, you know. So he started thinking, okay, well, all right, I'll 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 do independent ball. Got some options there. Uh, one of his former teammates at Aptos uh, was playing for the Birmingham Bloomfield Beavers um, of the USPBL, um, another one of the smaller independent ball leagues. And, uh, and actually Logan Trowbridge is his name, a great kid, great family. He, uh, helped us get, you know, get Jared onto that team. Um, well, they thought he would be a left-handed specialist type of thing. And, uh, that really wasn't his gig. Didn't do that great in that role. Um, so he was released from there after about a month. Um, and so he's coming back and, uh, I think I was picking him back up from the Monterey airport and we we're in the car and he gets a call <laughs> from the Amberjacks, Monterey Amberjacks in the Picos league. Uh, one of the, uh, I think the, uh, CEO of that league uh, had reached out to him. And so he says, yeah, sure. I'll pitch there. And so, uh, went to the Amberjacks and, uh, had a bunch of fun doing that. Next thing, you know, he, uh, he, uh, is uh, uh goes with the San Rafael Pacifics, you know, other independent league signs him towards the end of that season and he finishes the year there. Um, and they say they showed enough where they brought him back the next year and at the Pacifics, he took their uh, league uh, uh, strikeout title, ERA title, uh, pitcher of the year. And, you know, awesome. He's having some fun. Uh, but he's you know, looking at, re, you know, maybe becoming a police officer or considering something else because, you know, the pay at those levels and the travel is um, it's all on them. But um, the manager of the Pacifics, uh, Matt Cavanaugh, this guy is awesome. He hooked him up with Matt Rosignol, who is the trainer at Art, uh, at Rossi's training in uh, Scotts Valley. And boy, Matt, Matt Rosignol, man, what a what a what a trainer. He has taken Jared and he's also taken Ian now and uh, he's providing services to all kinds of baseball players, but his training was just really ridiculous. It resonated with Jared. And when he, he got his opportunity to go to Lake Erie, uh, the Lake Erie Crushers uh, in the Frontier League, he was signed there, did that and took the strikeout title after a year there and got stronger. And um, that led to, you know, one more step. He went to Auckland, New Zealand to play for the Auckland Tuatara. Um, in the Australian baseball league, uh, you know, out of the blue opportunity, um, amazing, uh, opportunity for him just as a, just to go see the world. I think that is where, where the real shift changed in so many ways for me to see him because it got him a chance to get, you know, to grow up, um, see what it's like to see the, but the whole world's different, There's a whole bunch of opportunity out there. And, um, he took advantage of it. And uh, let's see, I think it was Dan Petrine, uh, the ace scout, saw him over there. And uh, he actually reached out to me trying to figure out how to get a hold of Jared. And then um, <laughs> the, uh, the rest is history. Uh, Dan brought him forward to the uh, regional stuff. The A's signed him uh, at the uh, end of December in 2019. And uh, he came home just as my dad and I were going to Auckland to see him. So uh, we, my dad and I went to Sydney and then to uh, – Auckland saw a bunch of the uh, the rest of the season for the ABL, watched Auckland win its um, league and uh, celebrated with those guys there while Jared was back here getting ready to uh, go to spring training. Then he went to spring training and COVID hit. He had six days at camp and had uh, another year of um, patience to go. And uh, uh, fortuitously, the, uh, the, he uh, went to the instructional league in October with the A's that year. Um, got assigned to Midland last year, pitcher of the year there, 
uh, uh, league ERA title for the Central Double uh, A, and uh, that earned him this spot this year. And uh, you know, wow, Triple A. Uh, you, know, you know, you know, you watch the movie Moneyball, and at one point Brad Pitt says, and I'm just thinking about your son's story. And Brad Pitt says, as he's Billy Bean, sounds like an Oakland A already. You think about all that he went through. You think about all the different things, the setbacks, the I don't know if I'm going to do this anymore. This is the perfect organization for someone like your son because they don't care when you were drafted. They don't care if you were drafted. They don't care about your signing bonus. If you show up inside the A's organization and you produce, you will move up. And at some point, if you keep doing, you'll get, you'll, if you keep succeeding at some point, you'll get a chance at the big league level. And your son is living proof of that. Proof of it. It's true. You've seen it. You're watching it. I'm, I'm just trying to go, go. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't process it, Chris, man. You know, you've seen this all, you've watched this thing. You've watched that kid go from little kid to yeah. big kid and it's crazy. I haven't seen him since he was a real little kid, but I'll say this, uh, be, be aware tonight. There's going to be cameras on you all night long, buddy. I, you know, I, I have my, I have my A's gear. I have my hat. I even pulled out my little league stuff from one of my A's teams. I coached back in the day and it's pretty cool, man. I'll tell you what, uh, I'll, I'll rock. I'll, I'll represent that here. And you know what? Win, lose, or draw. You know what? The kid has. He's got it. He's got it. He's got his opportunity. He'll make some adjustments. He'll make some mistakes. But you know what? That's what we're all about. Next pitch. Well, no one will be. No one will ever be able to take it away from him. He's a big leaguer. Once you make it, you're a big leaguer forever. And and I know this. He wouldn't be there without you. And you should be very very proud because. Obviously, you've been very instrumental in his career, in his life, and you 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 don't go through everything he's gone through and still make it unless you have that support group. So I know it's going to be all about him, and it's all about his debut tonight, but at some point I want you just to sit back in that stadium tonight, and I want you to just have that, uh, that sense of pride inside because you're a big part of everything that's going to happen this evening. Yeah, thanks, dude. You know what I will? There's no doubt. No doubt. All right, I, I just wanted to have you for a brief time because I know you got all the family and everything going, but uh, you know I'll be in touch. I'll be thinking about you tonight, and good luck. All right, love you, Chris, man. Thanks so much, and go A's, baby. Go A's. Take care, buddy. Enjoy every moment. All right, see you soon. That's the father of Jared Koenig who's going tonight. I might have tears, for God's sakes, Commander. Are you kidding me? Did you hear all that? What this kid has gone through to get to the big league level, when guys like you just focus on who's the top prospects, who's the number one pick, how much money did he get, how fast can he rush through the system, uh, what's his name, the guy that um, starts with a C, who's always on MLB Network ranking the uh, prospects. Jim Callis. Jim Callis hasn't ranked this guy because that's all you care about. How about a story like this? This one is not as similar. I mean, this story is more remarkable than – Something that happened ten years ago, but Dan Shirley had a good story too. It just worked it. not like this, but I'm just saying, like I'm trying to compare it to something that I have noticed in the A system, but nothing is like this. I mean, the the travels that this kid has been through to make his way to the majors, it's truly remarkable, and I'm I'm rooting for him. Dan the K Man Straley, friend of the program. Uh, last time we talked to Dan the K Man, he's he's stateside now. He was at uh, yeah, he was in the KBO. Yeah, he was just. Uh, 
running up the K's in the KBO. He led the league in strikeouts when he was over. I only talk to him when he's in Korea. Yeah. What's he doing back here now? Uh, I believe he's with the Reno Aces, the, the Diamondbacks AAA team. Oh, good for him. Yeah, so he's back in the he, – remember, he was – he had a lot of people looking at him to come back after that big year in the KBO in 2020, but I believe he stayed another year, bet on himself to see what he could do, and now he's back pitching for the Diamondbacks in Reno. Tonight's special, and tonight's what I want to see. By the way, I'm going to start something new tonight in the postgame show. 833-625-2278, the Ace Clubhouse <laughs> show. All right, I, I'm going to do it tonight. Don't give me chalk. I get it. Where the team is, all I got to do is look at the standings. It's not great. I understand it. Um, and at some point, give me something new. The caller's got to give me something new. I can't do the same show night after night after night. At some point, you have to pivot. This is game, What what is this, game what? 58? Game 57, I believe. No, this is 58. It's it, game yeah, 58. 58, yes. It's game 58. You are what you are at this point. If you're going to make any type of dramatic turnaround, you have to make dramatic change, a la Philadelphia firing Joe Girardi, a la the Angels, as we had yesterday, breaking news here on A's Cast Live, Joe Madden being fired. How'd that work out for them last night? It worked out great. They went 10. They got in the 10th inning yeah. without losing. Uh, they've now <laughs> lost 13 in a row. Mike Trout left the game with an injury. Which is a uh, a record for them. They'd never lost 13 in a row. We'll go back from the notes yesterday that no team in the history of baseball. Now we have more teams making the postseason than ever before. But uh, no team has ever lost that many in a row and made the playoffs. I heard that one. Another one I heard was no team that was 10 games or more over 500 won on a losing streak of this uh, length ever, I believe is the one I heard. The what? They were 10 games over 500 at one point, and now they're on a 13-game losing streak. No team has ever done that is what I heard. I had it. I don't know where the notes are, but I had it in my uh, hit yesterday, my third inning hit. Let's not forget there was a point where the Angels were in first place. It was like May 15th or something like that. They were in first place. Since then – if my memory serves correctly, they've gone with that loss last night three and seventeen since that point, including losing thirteen in a row. Would you like to hear? I got some audio. I got Perry Manassian after the decision was made yesterday. Old yeah. Perry. Yeah, or uh, I, I, he's not a friend yet. We haven't got him on the show, but hopefully soon. But um, here's. I want new skipper Phil Phil Nevin. Uh, apparently seems like the team likes Phil Nevin. I mean, there were some quotes in an article I was sent that seems like they're they're high on him. I mean, I mean they only had – it's been one game. Let's see how it goes the rest of the season. They're high on him. I know. Well, that's good. But let's well, it's see. It's good for them to be yeah. high on you because when they're not high on you, you yeah. lose your gig. So Yeah, yeah you know, uh, a lot of Joe Madden, apparently. I'd be a little worried after one yeah. game if they're not high on him. Let, let me play this for you, Perry Manassi, and then we can talk about something that happened that is kind of flying under the radar with the Angels and Joe Madden and Mike Trout. But here's – Perry Manassian after the decision to let go of Joe Madden yesterday uh, in Orange County. I felt like it was the best interest of the club going forward to make a change at the managerial position. And uh, I love Joe Madden. I love the person. I love the conversations. Met with him this morning. It was really tough. But my job in this position is to do what's best for the organization day in and day out. And I don't take that lightly. I wake up thinking about it. I go to bed thinking about it. And where we were today... You know, waking up today, I felt like it was the right thing to do. 
just thought it was time for a new voice. And um, we have not played well. You know, the last two weeks have been really tough. You guys have seen it. So there hasn't been one phase of the game where we've been good. We've struggled on the mound. We've struggled at the plate. We've struggled defensively. We've struggled base running. Um, you know, the one thing I will say is the effort's been great. You know, and, and I believe in this group. You know, and I know we've gone through a tough stretch. And uh, you know, we have 106 games left. And I'm excited about the 106 games. There's Angels GM Perry Manassi, and after letting go, Joe Madden. Phil Nevin took over, and, well, they, they lost their first game under Phil Nevin, but 106 games left, and he's excited. All righty, coming up next, I'm going to tell you why I didn't buy any of that next right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. We got so many headphones in here, I'm putting on the wrong headphones. All right, I got to plug in some stuff here. I want to hear your take on this Perry Manassian quote that we played before break about Joe Madden. Did you buy any? I mean, seriously, did anybody buy any of that? Uh, I didn't, but I have my the reason why I don't. I don't. Did buy you it, buy any of that? I don't know. I mean that. I, I I'm a big. I love Joe Madden. I'm a big Joe Madden fan. I just felt that uh, we had to get rid of Joe Madden. Remember, like, Manassian didn't hire what? him either. That's not a Manassian's guy. No, I don't know how much that works with Artie Moreno. He just said he's a big big Joe man. He loves the conversations. Yeah, he could love the conversations off the field, but what about the stuff about the game? He just he just said that he loves the conversations that he had with him. I'm just going to tell you, what I heard there was a load of crap. And I'll tell you this. I'm looking at that situation. Perry is on the clock. He's only in year two. Yeah, if you ask me, I'm going to say Perry is big time on the clock. No question about it. Now, now before we get to Feldy, who's... What do you mean by just year two? He just fired his manager. Well, not his manager. No, that's his manager. He just fired his manager. He's now going with Phil Nevin. You're only going to get so many hires. You got Mike Trout in his prime. You got the unicorn. You got all this talent around you. You got all this money. He's on the clock. I I don't know what his contract length is, but contract length is. But I'll tell you, it does not matter because Artie Moreno doesn't care. Artie Moreno wants to win, and the reality is that. This guy was supposed to make it all happen with Joe Madden. 
Well, clearly it didn't work out. And one thing I thought of, too, and not a lot of people are making a big run with this, um, and I read about it in Buster Oni's newest article at the Angels, and it, it made me remember. Remember in the offseason they talked about Mike Trout switching to play a corner infield or a corner outfield spot, and Madden made this decision and told the media before he told Mike Trout about it. And then Trout was all you know caught off guard. He heard about it on social media. Like, that's not a good thing to do. And then you, you're trying to get the franchise player to change positions without letting him know about it. Bigger than that. I mean, that's just a cog in the, in the situation, in my opinion. There's but, that. But that you were brought in as a GM to make this thing work with Joe Madden. And clearly. That's why you were hired. Yeah, there's something there that's not you – we'll never know about. You weren't hired to come in and restructure the organization. Does that make sense? I Am mean, I making sense to everybody? From a business standpoint, he was hired to come in and win now with the Angels. You were brought in as support to Joe Madden and Mike Trout and to Shohei Otani. That's what you were brought in for. You weren't brought in to restructure the entire organization. You've now come in, haven't been able to fix the pitching like everybody wanted. You still got a six-man rotation. I mean, I mean, it's it, 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 it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And I love it. And you can throw that rally monkey up there all you want. <laughs> but they got pitching problems. Uh, Rendon still can't stay healthy, and you got that big contract. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big one. But in the end, Perry was not brought in to be a builder and a remodeling. It's not like he came in, take it down to the studs, and rebuild the house. He came in to win with what they had and Joe Madden. You now get rid of Joe Madden. You now have Phil Nevin which you got to pray to God they start winning, then maybe you can sell, you know, he's a, he's a Orange County guy. Everybody down there in the baseball circles remembers him. It's a great Cal State Fullerton guy. He made an all-star team with the Padres. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's a success story. But if you then have to go now and find another manager, now you're on the third manager, and you don't win at the start of next year? Trout's not getting younger. No, and he's not Payday's coming for Otani. You still got to pay Rendon. You still don't have pitching. All right, let's bring in uh, Feldy on this one. Feldy, I don't know how you're reading these tea leaves down in Anaheim, but to me, whatever the GM is trying to sell, I'm not buying because he came in here, in my opinion, he came in here to make it work with what they have. Now you get rid of the manager. Now you're just out there. You're on the lake fishing. Well, you're you're a Joe Madden fan, obviously. Big Joe Madden. See, um, not everybody is a big Joe Madden fan, and dealing with Joe Madden on a day to day basis, from what I've been told, people around not only the Angels but the Cubs and the Rays before that, is Joe Madden can be quite a load. He can be a, quite a load to deal with, and so there stuff like like Cody was saying that we're not privy to. That, that is going on besides just what's happening on the field. And believe me, when they lost on Sunday in Philadelphia, a game looked like for sure they're going to win. They're going to snap the losing streak. 
He brings his closer in the eighth inning, something he talked about he wasn't going to do most of this season, but he does it because he's in desperation mode. It doesn't work. Harper hits the grand slam. They take the lead. Now he takes his closer out in the ninth inning. He brings in Jimmy Herget. Well, that's disaster. Wait, it happened, and that's what happened. Disaster. I thought then he was done. I really did. I, I, I thought that was the end of Joe Madden. You know, I said yesterday, because it happened during our show, I said, if you followed Joe Madden, especially from the time with the Cubs, I got this sense at the winter meetings in San Diego uh, when, when Rossi was getting the job with the Cubs, is that there's an arrogance around Joe Madden. Has he earned it? Sure. I mean, winning a World Series, he's had a lot of success in our game, whether it's been a coach or a manager. But there, you can tell there's that. And if things are not going well, that kind of arrogance, as you said, would rub me wrong. Yeah, and Cody's right. You're right. We don't know exactly what went on. But now, as a general manager, you fired the guy that he was supposed to work with you now make Phil Nevin the guy, and some people thought Phil Nevin would, would get an opportunity to be a big league manager. For Perry, he's on the clock too, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, this is this is his team, right? He's got to deliver now, and he's got he's working for an owner who, who wants results, an owner who wants big things, who's willing to spend a lot of money and has had no results. So I think working for Artie Moreno, yeah, Perry needs to step up. It's interesting you mentioned Phil Nevin, right, and Cal State Fullerton. How about in the major leagues right now, three managers who went to Cal State Fullerton? The Titans, strong at the major league level with Kotze, Nevin, and Gabe Kapler. Do you, do you think I'm shocked as someone who played in the Big West with Cal State Fullerton? <laughs> See? You know. You know the strength of the Big West. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I know all about playing at Kevin Costner Field and getting your ass kicked day in and day out. <laughs> I know what that long bus ride's like down to down to Orange County, and I know what it's like back. It is no fun, my friend, taking on. I mean, they've been a powerhouse for many years when you're like Cal State Fullerton, and no, they're not paying guys. It's just been a mecca to where, hey, you want to go to UCLA, you want to go to SC, you want to go to anywhere, at whatever. But if you want to be a, let's not say it's a student athlete, but you want to be an athlete and play baseball, I would say Cal State Fullerton and you tell me, of course, covering uh, college baseball as long as, as uh, you know, you cover all college sports and obviously with Major League Baseball in all the different jobs that you have. If there's the closest thing to professional baseball in college, it probably is Cal State Fullerton. Well, they, they run a very good program, and they've won two national championships in the last 20 years, um, or 25 years. It, it's pretty impressive, right? They, they've done – they've actually had more success – more regional appearances, more super regional appearances than USC. And USC is the standard bearer for college baseball, right? 12 national championships. USC has been to the NCAA tournament, I believe it's once in the last 19 years. Um, so Fullerton knows what they're doing as far as running a baseball program. All right. Are you ready for a top 10 list? I've, I've been, I, this is going to be good. It's been a while. I, I, I you're not rusty. Are you, you ready to rock? This one's good. This was good. This was from, uh, again, coming from Cody, uh, talking about Bay Area players who played for the A's who grew up in the Bay Area. And uh, I, it's there's a lot of people to choose from. And just right away, we are putting – we're not including on the list the Hall of Famers of Bay Area baseball, and that's Eck, Ricky, and Dave Stewart. We're, we're going to just put those – those guys are in a different category, so they are not going to be part of our, our top ten today. Now – 
This is something that I threw out there. Just want to know if it's a – did you have to be born here? He's not born here. Ricky wasn't born here. He was born in, outside Chicago. Uh-huh. Uh, but to me, it's about going to high school here. Your formative years. You're okay. going to high school in the Bay Area. I knew it. Ricky's out. Ricky is <laughs> out. He's not a Californian. All right. So, I, uh, obviously, we go honorable mention, and I have a feeling there, a couple of our friends are going to be on this list. Yeah, definitely a couple of our friends. A uh, couple of the the A's pregame show host, and that's uh, Shooty Babbitt, who went to Berkeley High School, played with the A's for one year, and Bip Roberts, who went to Skyline High School in Oakland. Uh, both honorable mentions. Fine players, uh, not long careers with the A's. Shooty only the one year in 81, and Roberts only played one year in 98. Bip had a great career. I mean, I grew up watching Bip with the Padres. You think about being the all-star, well, with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Bip. Bip played with some unbelievable players, too. I mean, when you talk about knowledge uh, of just hitting and how to play the game, when you're around guys like, you know, Tony Gwynn, Roberto Alomar, Bip Roberts is a very, very interesting. What a tremendous career he had for a guy that, uh, let's face it, a lot of people probably thought little guy runs a little bit, probably won't play that long, probably didn't really give him a chance at the big league level. And remember, he was a Rule 5 guy, too. Yeah, and Bip, Bip owned Pedro Martinez. You look at their matchups, Bip, for whatever reason, he owned Pedro. I know, that's incredible to think that you could own Pedro Martinez. I mean, pay, an electric young Pedro Martinez. Like, kids, look it up. This is young Pedro throwing 97, 98 miles an hour with movement. Yeah, this is the real thing. Uh, just a couple other guys on the uh, on the honorable mention. Joe Morgan, who played 84 at the A's. He went to Castlemont High School in Oakland. Um, Chris Singleton, uh, ESPN radio broadcaster now, went to Pinole Valley High School, another Pinole Valley High School. Dale Swain, who spent some time with the A's uh, later on and managed the Cubs and not be a good manager. Um, Berkeley High School shows up on this list. We've talked about Shooty. Uh, Glenn Burke, whose yeah. name's going to be coming up here in a couple of weeks, he went to Berkeley High School. We got the hat, baby. Uh, we got the hat. Nice. It's a good looking hat. I mean, yeah, I got to tell you. Felder, you've been around this a long time also. The giveaway hats are being made far better than they used to. Yeah, there seems to be. It's not just the trucker hat, though. They slapped a logo on it, right? Yeah. They put some time and some effort to make the whole thing look pretty good. You mean the hats that we got when we were kids, went to the ballpark, that's, you'd wear them one time yeah, and they'd, the and about. they'd fall yeah. apart? <laughs> oh, horrible. Horrible. All right, number 10. Oh, by the way, Joe number Morgan. 10. I think Ken Korak and I, when we were during COVID and we were re going over the 72 World Series, I think Ken and I may have done his last interview because he passed not too long after that. And he talked about playing for the – he didn't want to play for the A's, but they, like, talked him into it because it was the hometown thing. And he's so grateful that he did do it because it meant a lot to him. But he was like – he really just wanted to retire. Yeah, he had a really good – 1983 with the Phillies, helped the Phillies get into the World Series, an aging Phillies team. And they thought, okay, that's it. And the A's come calling, and the A's really wanted him to play. They thought he'd be a great mentor for Ricky and some of the young players that they had. And, you know, he, he set the, the second base home run record as a member of the A's. Um, so it was a fun year. I remember his last game, uh, first at bat, he gets a base hit, and they take him out of the game. He gets the standing ovation as he walks off the field. Pretty special moment. No doubt. Number 10. 
Number 10 is a current athletic from Amador Valley High School in Pleasanton. Also went to Stanford, so definitely Bay Area-wise. And that's Stephen Piscotti. And you look back at Piscotti, and, and we, we're hearing a lot about Aaron Judge and the contract and not signing a contract and betting on himself, and that seems to be paying off for him. Steve Piscotti, Stephen Piscotti kind of did the opposite with St. Louis. After his big year in 2016 when he had 22 bombs and 35 doubles, he signed a six-year contract with the Cardinals for $33.5 million. So that bought out his arbitration years and his first year as a free agent. So this worked out very well for Steven because of the injuries. Right, His first year with the A's in 2018, he was fantastic. He played 151 games, 27 homers, 41 doubles. This all while the situation with his mom's going on and his mom passes away. He has a fantastic year. But then since then, it's been nothing but injuries, right? Right knee, uh, wrist, he's got the calf. So for Stephen Biscotti to sign that contract early, very wise move. Yeah, no bat, no doubt about it. And I don't know how many trades have been made in Major League Baseball that were truly about the player and his family. I don't know how many. There's been a bazillion trades. That may be one trade we look back and go, that's where front offices were doing what was best for a human being. 100%. Looking out for their guy. No doubt. Number nine. Number nine. We're going to go down to a San Jose State alum. Whoa. Who also went to uh, Archbishop Mitty. That's Chris Cotteroli. Love it. Now, Chris Cotteroli, interesting story. He was drafted by the Tigers out of San Jose State in 78, but really didn't make any inroads with, with the Tigers, was released. He signs with the A's, uh, ends up making his Major League debut in September of 82. Uh, his listed height and weight, 6'1", 160 pounds. That's then String bean. String bean. But – you know, he becomes a, a valuable part of the A's rotation. In 83, he makes 31 starts. He goes 12-12 and 12 on a bad A's team, two shutouts. In 85, he led the AL with 37 starts. Another bad A's team, 14-14. and 14. Um, You know, he was kind of a linchpin on the A's rotation on those bad post-Billy Ball years. Uh, 104 starts, 38-42. and 42. But he took the ball almost every chance he got. A little injury prone in 84, but... Chris Cotteroli, local kid from San Jose, skinny, skinny, made his mark with the A's. I have a feeling, you know, I live in San Jose. I've lived in San Jose my entire adult life. I have a feeling the South Bay is going to be represented on this list. Could be. Could be. You've never been to my house, but right across the street from my house, it literally is just a pitch. A golf ball pitch is the uh, Little League field a lot of these guys played on that are in the big leagues. Nice. I would have – my boys would have played there, but I had twin girls, so that never happened, <laughs> Philly. Uh, number eight. Number eight from St. Francis High School Ooh. in Mountain View. More South Eric Bay. Burns. Burnsy. Eric Burns. Drafted by the A's out of UCLA. Uh, this is a guy who makes his major league debut – in August of 2000 in Cleveland, and gets thrown at. He gets thrown <laughs> at by Steve Reed. Major League debut, he's getting thrown at. Are you serious? I don't remember oh, yeah. that. No, it was unbelievable. There, there was some stolen bases <laughs> and some other things, and Reed knocks him down. And Burnsy, 
I remember this because we were in the hotel after the game and he's his eyes are on fire and his hair is going. He was so jacked up by the whole situation. Um, Bernsey, you know, I, I've seen players get hot before, but I have rarely seen a player as hot as Eric Burns in 2003. When you look at this 59-game stretch from the end of April to the end of June, culminating in the cycle versus the Giants in San Francisco, 59 games, he had 352, 11 homers, 41s driven in, an OPS over 1,000, could do no wrong. You rarely see someone get this hot for that long. I've never seen a guy get colder right after a hot streak like Eric Burns did right after that. His next 28 games, 9 for 95. That's an 095 average with no homers and only two runs batted in. So in one season, you saw the the best of Eric Burns and the absolute worst of Eric Burns. Speaking of getting hot, he told the story one time on A's Cast Live. He had some horrific game against the Chicago White Sox and walked home, or I should say walked back to the hotel in the south side of Chicago at <laughs> night. Are you insane? Like, if anybody knows what's going on right now to this day in the south side of Chicago, unfortunately, all the deaths and murders that are going on, this dude's rolling through the middle of the night, a major league baseball player. He was telling that story. I went, and you made it back okay? Unbelievable. Yeah, he's a different cat. He really is. And he was, you know, he did some broadcasting with us at Pac-12 Network, and it was so much fun. He really was very much the Bill Walton of college baseball because you never knew what he was going to say. He was always honest and he was always up for anything. Um, I think he's just, he's, fortunately, he's not on MLB network anymore. I wish he was because he's so enjoyable, but he's got the Savannah bananas going. And if you've seen any of those highlights or those clips, that looks like a total blast. Yeah. Did you see the one where the guy, they did the red carpet for him (laughs) as he came to the plate, but he did the whole red carpet. It was, it was like, you know what? I'd pay to watch that. You know, if you had cheap beer, cheap food, I mean, that's that's three. It's three hours of good entertainment. I'll tell you what, it's a hell of a lot better than a lot I've been watching the last couple of years. Yeah, and you watch the crowd in those clips. The crowds are uh, places packed. They're having a great time. You never know when they're all of a sudden the team's just going to start dancing in the middle of a pitch. They're going to start dancing. It's a brilliant idea. It looks like a. It looks like just a blast. Number seven. Number seven from uh, Ignacio Valley High School in Concord, my high school's rival. Uh, also went to Cal, Lance Blankenship. Ooh, friend of the program. I, Lance, you know, when, when he made it up to the A's at the end of the, the 80s, right, he's just this young kid, but he was so good at Cal. I mean, he set all the records at Cal. The time he was done playing, he had the record for games and runs and RBIs and homers and steals and walks. Uh, Unbelievable college career, makes it to the big leagues. You know, he plays in the World Series in 89, gets a hit in the 89 World Series, also played in the 90 World Series. And then come 1992, he's a key part of the AL West Division champs uh, because of injuries with Walt Weiss. Uh, He's playing a lot of second base, but he also played first, left, center, right, stole 21 bases, had an on-base percentage of 390, and fielded everything. He was like a vacuum cleaner at second base. He was so good. In 92. And the A's don't win the West without his contribution. 93 is when the injuries happen. Hamstrings, shoulders. Only hits 190. Eventually has the shoulder surgery. And and that's it. 
He never played Major League Ball after 93, a very short Major League career. But from what he did in 92, uh, he made his mark with A's baseball. I want the fans to know. They may think Pac-12 Network, Ted Robinson. They may think Roxy Bernstein. My old, broadca- my old broadcast partner, Lincoln Kennedy. I think of Feldy when I think of Pac-12 Network. How, <laughs> how long have you been working for them? I'm in this beginning. We just finished our 10th season of the Pac-12 Network. Wow. It's a long time, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it keeps continuing. Yeah, uh, but you've worked, like, <laughs> literally you've worked for, like, it was, like, Sports Channel, Fox Sports, Comcast Sportsnet, NBC, now California Bay Area. You've worked for them all, right? Yeah, yeah. Been lucky enough to have uh, been given the opportunity to work for everybody, and hopefully they keep uh, keep asking. Good for you. Collecting paychecks. What are we at, number six? Number six, and this is one of my favorite stories that doesn't get told enough. Actually, I told this story to Bip Roberts yesterday, and he didn't even know it. And that's the story of Claudel Washington. Bay Area? High Went to Berkeley High School. Wow. So Claudel, he didn't play baseball in high school. He was more interested in basketball and track. Graduates in 1972, and J.J. Gwynn, very famous name. He's the one who scouted Ricky, scouted Shooty, most of the Bay Area kids. Um, he was a, also a policeman, but he talked Claudel into joining a Connie Mack League team because he heard that Claudel was a great athlete. And, you know, you look at Claudel's body, the broad shoulders, tapered waist. I mean, he he looked like an athlete. Yeah. So he plays a few weeks with Connie Mack, looks great. J.J. Gwynn tells the A's, you, you need to sign him. He was undrafted out of high school because obviously he didn't play baseball in high school. So they sign him as a free agent, 17 years old, just graduated high school. Two years later, at 19, he's making his major league debut for the world champion Oakland A's <laughs> against Gaylord Perry in a packed house at the Coliseum, hits a triple for his first major league hit, and then hits a walk-off single off Gaylord Perry to win the game. And Gaylord Perry at the time was going for an AL record 16th win in a row. That snapped that streak. Claudel, two years out of high school, never played in high school, playing in the major leagues. So he has that night. He's also starting World Series games in 1974. He turned 20 at that point. But he's starting World Series games. Had a great World Series. Right? Goes four for nine in the World Series. Unbelievable. It's to me one of the remarkable stories of a of a scout noticing that this guy could do this, giving him the chance, and then Claudel running with it and being just so gifted, um, unreal. Yeah, and those stories we're really not going to see those anymore. You can even go back to you know Andrew Jones being a kid, you know, hitting bombs at a Yankee Stadium in the World Series, but now we're trying to hold guys back and. We're trying to manipulate their time. It's really sad. When was Claudel's last year in the so big? Claudel ones? played all the way until 1990. Yeah, and his career with the with the Yankees. Because that early, I was born in '72, so it's like I remember him as an as a as a much older player. Yeah, as a Brave. I mean, we saw him on TBS all the time. Yeah. Um, just such a good hitter. You know, you think about how good he was with the A's. You know, they basically moved Joe Rudy to first base in 1975 so Claudel could play left field. So Rudy ends up playing first, tennis, catches, 
our, our friend Ray, and unfortunately gets moved to the bench in that situation. But Claudio makes the all-star team. He hits 308, 75. He's 20, 20 years old, turning 21. It's just an incredible story that Claudio Washington, it was sad that he passed away uh, a year or two back, but uh, incredible career for a guy who didn't play high school baseball. 308, you'd be one of the best players in baseball right now. Number five. Number five is a uh, a recent future athletic from Bellarmine Prep Ooh. in San Jose. He also went to Cal, and that's Mark Canna. Or is he going by Kana now? I've heard this, that he wants yeah, to be Mark Yeah, well, I mean, put it this way. I live in the – he was one of the guys I'm talking his parents lived down the street from me. We belonged to the same swimming racket club. Uh, everybody still calls him uh, Mr. Canna. So okay. that that's what they call Mark's father. So I'm going to go so by he, what his father goes by. Yes, Mark Canna. We're not, we're not having an Anthony Dorsett situation here. It's Mark Canna. For those who know, Tony Dorsett became Anthony Dorsett way back. Anyway, Mark Canna. Great Tony Dorsett. At a pit. At a pit. So, Canna was a Rule 5 pick uh, by the Rockies before the 2015 season. <laughs> the A's made a trade with the Rockies to get Mark Canna. Uh, and as a rookie, it's 16 homers and 22 doubles. So, you know, he has to stay on the, the roster the whole year. The A's really weren't sure what they had with, with him. And then he missed almost all of 2016, hip surgery. 2017, he's splitting time between the A's and, at that time, Nashville. Um it wasn't until 2019 where he finally kind of found his groove as a major league hitter, right? With a 396 on base percentage, hit 26 homers, drove in 80 runs, and just became a force, right? And that's what you know, rule five picks don't often pan out. And by far, Mark is the, the top rule five pick in, in Oakland history. Uh, there's just very few guys who, who pan out like this. The most famous one being Roberto Clemente who was a Rule 5 pick from the Pirates off the Dodgers. He was a decent wow. little player. Uh, George Bell was another one that worked out. But George really Taco Bell was a Rule 5 guy? He was a Rule 5 pick by the Blue Jays. So, for the A's, they strike gold with Canna. Uh, you know, he set the A's record with 27 hit by pitch. Got hit uh, 80 times all-time as a member of the of the A's. Uh, just a really good player for the A's for a lot of years in that 2019 season, the wild-card year. Those are huge numbers, and uh, finding his stride, getting on base. Here's one thing no one realized, and I remember in an interview with him, and he didn't realize. When you looked at longest tenured players at one point for the A's, you saw Marcus Simeon and Mark Canna. Now, because you mentioned the hip surgery and everything, from just a pure, from just a pure employment standpoint, right, even though you're getting hurt, mm-hmm. Even though you're hurt, you didn't play, you're getting paid. From a standpoint of employment, Mark Canna, with that whole Rule 5 selection deal, he was the longest tenured A. He had been here longer than anybody. Now, he didn't play in all the games, but from a standpoint of being paid by the athletics, at one point he was the longest tenured guy. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Canna and Simeon starting that 2015 season. Number four. Number four, a guy we've talked about before, a guy I love from Balboa High School in San Francisco. Mike Norris. Oh, this is a Charlie Finley draft pick, right? He was the A's first round pick in 73 in the January draft at the time. That's a Charlie Finley pick. And and he struck gold and we can't say it enough. His major league debut in 75, right? Two years after being drafted, three hit shutout. And this is taking catfish hunters spot in the rotation. So you're just, you're replacing a future hall of famer and you go and throw a three hit shutout 
His next start, seven innings, only one hit. This is a future Hall of Famer. Gets injured in his third start. And then it's a rocky road until 1980 when he puts together one of the greatest seasons. 22 and 9, 2.53, 33 starts, 24 complete games, five times pitched 10 innings or more, including 14 innings versus Baltimore. A game the A's win on a Tony Armas Grand Slam, wins a gold glove, and unfathomably finishes second in the Cy Young voting because three voters left him off. That still bugs you. You've mentioned that multiple times. I can't get over it. The three vote, and it wasn't East Coast voters either, right? It was, I think it was Milwaukee, it was Anaheim, and Chicago left them off the ballot. How, how does that, or Kansas City, not Chicago, Kansas City. How does that happen? And Kansas City how was does guy 20. And, Two and nine get left off the ballot. And, and to educate the kids out there, back then, Chicago, White Sox, and Kansas City were in the same division as the A's. So it's not like right. today we went, well, they're in the Central. No, they were all in the West together, so you would have saw him. They, you would have saw him. And just look at the – it's unbelievable. So Steve Stone wins the gold glove. Good for Steve Stone. Didn't deserve it. Um, Mike Doris deserved it. And you look at, like, articles now when they redo voting – that's always a big one, the 1980 AL Cy Young. There is no doubt. Uh, Norris, the other thing that makes him special to me, um, after he had the arm surgeries and he had a, his drug problems, he works his way back. In 1990, he makes the World Championship A's roster. He makes the A's bullpen. Uh, unbelievable, right? He even pitched well. He only pitched in 14 games with an ERA of three. There was a roster crunch with another Rule 5 guy, Reggie Harris. That kind of cost Norris's spot. But he made it back. And still, to this day, the only Oakland pitcher to record a win in three different decades. Addiction is something that's very sad. And the fact that he made the comeback like he did and the change in his life at that time, it's pretty amazing. It, it really is. He even played with the San Jose Bees down there for a little bit. I right, waited number four? Number three. Number three. Number three, from Will C. Wood High School in Vacaville, Jermaine Dye. Vacaville. We're going up 80, huh? Vacaville, still part of the Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, and we know that the Jermaine Dye coming in in 2001, solidifying the lineup, hitting 297 over the last 61 games with 59 runs batted in. But this is the thing I think gets lost when we talk about the A's and spending money and everything. So Jermaine Dye breaks his leg in the playoffs with a foul ball, spider fracture, awful, brutal, gruesome injury. The A's still sign him. He's a free agent now. And the A's sign him to a three-year, $32 million deal. So they spent the money on Jermaine Dye. Uh, they he bought out his last year of arbitration and two years of free agency on Jermaine Dye. And this never gets talked about, but this happened. The A's spent the money to keep him. Now, he had a solid year in 2002. Uh, even coming back from the injury, yeah, 24 homers, 86 RBIs, then had a terrible 03 with the shoulder problems and the knee. Um, came back in 04 and was Jermaine Die again. But the A's spent the money on him, and I, I don't think the A's get credit for that. Yeah, now he's uh, does a lot in the community there in Illinois and and uh, plays a lot of golf, living the dream. You know, World Series MVP. Pretty good. Yeah, no doubt about it. With our butt, with our with another Cal Bear, our buddy Jeff Blom. You think about yeah. uh, the Cal representation on that uh, White Sox team. Number two. Let's stick with the Cal. And another from Cal Bear. 
Another cow, Marcus Simeon. Mm. I mean, when all is said and done, and we look back in A's history and we look at the great shortstops and you look at Campy and you look at Miguel Tejada and then you're going to look at Marcus Simeon. And Simeon is right there, right? Just huge years. In the 2019 year, 33 homers, 43 doubles, 92 runs batted in, 123 runs, played every day, finished third in the MVP voting. And where he came from when we first saw him in 2015 with his 35 errors, I've never seen a player improve as much as Marcus Simeon did at the major league level. The amount of work that he put in to become the player that he is. And even yesterday, you know, he's off to a terrible start with the Rangers, but yesterday he hits three homers and has seven hits in both games of a doubleheader. I think Marcus Simeon's about to get hot for the Rangers, and we've seen it before. Uh, This guy, as much as anyone's, I've never seen anyone improve like Marcus Simeon. That year that he finishes third, behind Trout and Bregman. I know there's been a lot of great players that played for the A's. I know Hall of Famer. Is that the best single season that we have ever seen from an Oakland A, throwing in the fact that he played shortstop, one of the most demanding positions in the game, and he did it every single game? It's right up there. And when you throw in the defensive part of it, that makes a difference because big difference, a big difference. But Jason Giambi in 2000 and 2001, he get, he got maligned for his first, his work at first base. No one picked the ball like Jason. He saved so many errors for Tejada and Chavez by the way he fielded. Tejada's year when he won the MVP was huge. Ricky in 1990, he could do it from both ways. And even Jose in 88. Because Jose actually played defense in 88, one of the last times he did. But he was a complete player hitting 300. So those are the great years in Oakland history. And, and Simeon's right up there with them. Um, All right, let me – can I re-ask? Can I re-ask the question? Sure. I'm going to re-ask it this way. I'm going to take Ricky Henderson out, put him over <laughs> here. Marcus Simeon's year that he finished third in the MVP is the best clean season in the history of the Oakland Athletics. And clean, I mean, without performance-enhancing drugs. Um, well, sure. Okay. Compromise, then. Yeah, we can compromise on that. We compromise. Because that's <laughs> – I uh, I do know this. And getting to know Marcus over the years, getting to know his family, his wife, uh, his dad, who was also a cow bear – I don't know if there's been a better human being to put on a put on an A's uniform than Marcus Simeon. Uh, he's he's a top notch human being. Um, everything that he did with the club and the amount of work and the way he went about his business, uh, he reminds me a lot in a way of Clay Thompson, um, where he just he goes to work every day. He puts the time in. He doesn't look to be a superstar. He doesn't look for the accolades. He just does his job, and he does it to the best of his ability, and he's one of the best in the world at it. I bet he plays for the A's again. Well, quite possibly. A lot of, a lot of times, you know, the former greats tend to come back. Oh, they come back multiple times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All righty, since the great Dave Stewart, smoke is out. The great Ricky Henderson and Dennis Eckersley because they're not only A's Hall of Famers, they have plaques in Cooperstown. They're out. Number one Bay Area kid 
to play for the Oakland A's, who's not in the A's Hall of Fame or the Baseball Hall of Fame. And we're going to go back to the South Bay. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to go to Wilcox High School in Santa Clara. We're going to go to Carney Lansford. And you talk about a Bay Area kid. He led the Santa Clara Little League team to the finals of the Little League World Series before losing to Taiwan. So his roots are here in the Bay Area, and he made a mark in the Bay Area as just a little guy. And then Carney, you know, he's a third-round pick by the Angels, goes to the Red Sox, wins a batting title, gets traded to the A's in the Tony Armas deal, and then he is your A's third baseman for 10 solid seasons, uh, except for the injury year with the the uh, snowmobile accident in 91. But uh, you got to give your props to Carney for the numbers that he put up, you know, in Oakland history, eighth in games, third in hits, ninth in runs, fifth in steals, uh, finished second in the AL batting title in, in 89 when he hit 336, um, which is the second highest single season average in Oakland history next to Giambi's 342. Uh, in the 89 postseason, the year the A's won it all, he had safely in all seven games, hit 444. Uh, if Ricky had not gone off the charts in that postseason, we'd all be talking about Carney in the year that he put up uh, against the Blue Jays and the Giants. But for that long and kind of doing it in your hometown, Arnie Lansford, he's number one. The guy could just flat out hit. I mean, and a prototypical at that time, a second-place hitter, can hit the ball. I mean, he's going to drive it the other way. But if you if he cheated, he could he could rip it down the left field line. And you know, having you know for years as Carney's kid played at San Jose State, I've I've had a lot of conversations with Carney. I mean, this is a guy that grew up at a time where he was watching. You know, when they first started doing something in '71, and Vida became the rock star. Then it's champs in '72, '73, '74. As a kid, he lived that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, as for most of these guys, I always think, how special would it be to grow up in an area and then play for the hometown team? I mean, that's got to be just just something amazing to to think that you rooted for these guys and now I'm putting on that jersey and I'm representing that team. What a special, special thing. I think, you know, we didn't talk about managers, but two managers who could be on this team. One is Billy Martin, right, again yeah. from Berkeley High School. And the other is Bob Melvin from Menlo. And Bob Melvin was an A's fan, right? Sal Banda was his guy. Um, and then he gets to manage this team for as long as he did, uh, again, managing the hometown team. It's just – I can't imagine how special that would be. Yeah, because it's like I have people come up to me all the time and be like, oh, hey, Tony, you remember – I'm like, I was born in 72. So I hosted the – on Saturday between the players – uh, who came back from the team and, and the season ticket holders. And it was cool. Like the people that like, remember, I mean, I was born in 72, so I don't remember it. I don't even remember the big red machine for God's sakes. I, that was too young. I mean, I don't know. Do you, do could you even, even at your, I don't know how old you are, but do you recall any of that? I do. I, I was young, but I, I remember them winning in 72. I went to postseason games in 74. I saw Ray hit a three run Homer in the ALCS. Uh, my dad went to all the games. So, I mean, I grew up with – that was the, my first team, right? Those, yeah. My dad took me to games. He'd point out Sal Bando and Campy and Reggie. I remember going to a game when I was six years old and asking my dad, well, Reggie hit a home run today. My dad's, you know, well, you never know. It's hard to hit a home run. Reggie not only hits one home run, he hits two home runs. And the thing that sticks with me to this day is his third at bat, 
he hit the routine ground ball to third base and beats it out for an infield single. That was Reggie, and that was a Hall of Famer. And, and you know, the home runs, I can still kind of see. I see him beating out that infield hit. Yeah, I remember during COVID, we were we had the, the Bucky Dent game, and mm. Reggie's up to the bat. It's game 163, right? And yep. Or would it would count as game 162? Or was that a next? It was 163. And you thought of Reggie Jackson as, oh, he's got the most strikeouts. He was still hitting 280. Yeah. Like, we'd kill for 280 right now. Yeah. And you think about that game, right? And this is typical Reggie. Bucky Dent has the three on Homer to give him the lead. Reggie went deep, yeah. Act on the insurance run with the Homer because that's what Reggie does. Yeah, Reggie was Re- – Reggie they the guy had a candy bar named after him, for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> and the one-liners, too. The straw that stirs oh. the drink, or I, I didn't come to New York to be, be a star. I'm bringing my star to New York. Oh, so yes. good. So good. And then, of course, Catfish had the great line about the candy bar. Candy bar's just like Reggie. You open it up, it tells you how good it is. <laughs> All right, run it down. Top 10. Top 10. Not counting Stu, Eck, and Ricky, but number 10, Stephen Piscotti. From Pleasanton, Chris Cotteroli from San Jose, Eric Burns from Mountain View and St. Francis High School, Lance Blankenship from Concord, Unesha Valley High School, Potel, Washington, Berkeley High School, never played at Berkeley High School, still made it to the big leagues in two years, Mark Canna from Bellarmine Prep in San Jose, Mike Norris, Balboa High School in the city, Jermaine Dye out in Vacaville at Wood High School, Marcus Simeon, St. Mary's High School in Cal, and number one, Carney Lansford from Wilcox High School in Santa Clara. You are the best. What, what, what do you got going? Are you working into this road trip? Are you on Giants? What are you doing? No, I got all these games. We're out at the uh, the NBC Sports California studios uh, bringing these games. And uh, we got a, a, almost a Bay Area kid pitching for the A's tonight. Aptos is not quite the Bay Area, but it's close. So it'll be interesting to see a Major League debut. So, uh, I think he was born in San Jose, though. I know his father. I, I, I've known his father for almost 30 years, Greg. We had him wow. on the show earlier. Yeah, that's I. this kid's story is – isn't this story the typical story? I, I should send you the interview. I had his dad go through every place that he's been. It's like – it's total A's. It's like, hey, listen – A's don't care where you're drafted. A's don't care how much money you sign. A's don't give a crap about, can, can you get people out? You can get people out, you're going to make the big league club. No, and that's the thing, and he proved it, right? Working his way back, and then the minor leagues this year, he deserved this shot. He earned this shot to pitch at the major league level. I wish him nothing but success. I have no idea how it's going to go. Braves are a very tough lineup to pitch against. But he earned this, and that's what's cool. If you earn it, and then you're given that opportunity, and you can find that with this organization. Are, are are we – it's early June. Are we starting to prep for college football? We actually are. We are looking at the season coming up, uh, starting in, in September, looking at the games that we're going to have. Uh, college football, I think media day is next month down in L.A. So as soon as we get through with the College World Series, it's all about college football. That's uh, the best. The best time of year is when we got baseball – coming down the stretch into the postseason with with the NFL and college football to me you can have the NCAA tournament you get to me when you got baseball coming down to the end football starting college and pro the best time of the year 
Yeah, September and October are so much fun uh, with all the events because such big games in baseball and then football getting rolling. Everything, every event you go to means something in September. Because uh, football, because they play so few games, so every game is so huge. And, you know, September baseball games, there's nothing like it. And the, um, and the big out-of-conference matchups early yeah. in college football where teams, you know, hey, you want to help yourself. You win one of these early games at non-conference, another quality opponent does big for you. And they always, you know, it can be down at the Cowboys Stadium. I love those. Yeah, and think about this year, the Cal Bears going to South Bend and playing at Notre Dame. Cal at Notre Dame. That's just that's just for us West Coasters. That's just so cool. Hey, hey, do me a favor. Next thing you see our, our mutual friend Roxy Bernstein. Ask him. I, I forget when's the last time the Cal won the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah. We 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 try not to bring that up with poor Rocks. Just just bring that up for me because he knows. See, he can't bag on San Jose State because his childhood buddies are head coach, and he that's knows true. we're climbing a mountain. That's true. And he actually, we actually showed last year. Some sort of camp photo of Roxy and Brennan together, and Roxy's this little tiny guy, and the coach is big. It was hilarious. And of course, we'll put the tractors out where the stands are supposed to be because they're going to be built. We just don't know when. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I could talk to you all day, buddy. We always appreciate the time. Our ace historian with another top ten. Be well. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Townie. Coming up next. One of the great A's of all time, Vita Blue, right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, everybody. If you are watching on Twitter, or which is athletic, Athletics Cast 24 on Twitter, that's at Athletics Cast 24, or on the A's YouTube page, you can watch the show live or watch it later. Of course, if you're listening on athletics.com slash cast, you can't see this. But I am holding up what, Cody? You're holding up the Pride Night hat presented by Gilead, which we'll be giving away on Friday, June 17th, when the A's take on the Royals. Show your pride and celebrate Glenn Burke Pride Night at the ballpark on June 17th. Uh, $5 from every ticket sold will benefit the Oakland LGBTQ Center, whose mission is dedicated to enhancing and sustaining the well-being of LGBTQ plus individuals, their families, and allies by providing educational, social, and health-related activities, programs, and services. These tickets are available, or tickets are available, at athletics.com slash tickets. That's athletics.com slash tickets. Member Friday, June 17th, that's next Friday, against the Kansas City Royals. That be our good friend Whit Merrifield, Sal Perez. Two hit. And Bobby Witt Jr. Two hit Witt. Oh, and our good friend, the HUD man, Rex Hunter. Oh, I here. love the Wonder Dog. Wonder Dog makes me want to feel like I could play again. It makes you want to run through a wall. Oh, I love the HUD man. Like, if I need an inspirational speech and life's going bad, 
I want the HUD man to deliver it. If I, you know, in my last days on this earth, if I'm going out, have the HUD man show up to say goodbye, to make me feel good on the way out. Can you do that? Sure. Love the HUD man. All right. We celebrated the night. Do we have time? Uh, yeah, it's seven minutes. It's a little time. All right. We'll have Chip Carey from the Braves, but on Saturday, I love him to death. He's one of the great A's. He's just a, a, a phenomenal guy. Uh, can't say enough about him. What a great A he was. Here is Vita Blue as we celebrated the 1972 World Series team. We got Vita Blue with us, and, you know, I think about the celebrations. They never get old, and when you get this group together, as special as it is, what's it, what's it like for you because of just all the greatness you guys achieved together? Well, I'm still in awe of the fact that we accomplished what we accomplished, Chris. Uh, of course, the 72 one was our first one, but 73 and 74 was just as special. But, uh, you know, as a kid, grew up in Mansfield, Louisiana, and making it to the major leagues. And then pitching in the World Series in 1972. From that event in 72, I got to meet Jackie Robinson, uh, Mr. Jackie Robinson, who threw out the first pitch in the 72 World Series. But, uh, hey, man, we won the World Series, and I'm very proud of the fact that I was a member of that 72 championship team. But who would have thought that 50 years later we'd still be talking about the legacy of the Oakland A's in the 72 season? And uh, we beat a good Cincinnati team. If we played them, Four more times, they would have beat us four in a row. <laughs> but we caught them on a on a bad series. That t- not a bad series. We outpitched them and outplayed them. They had the better team, but we outplayed them. You know, that's the thing that Ray Fossey always would talk to me about was the fact that, you know, you can say anything offensively. This team won and won three straight because he played against you and then played with you. He goes, this team, no question, won because of pitching and defense. Yeah, I think when Ray came over from Cleveland, he uh, – he replaced, I think, uh, Dave Duncan went to Cleveland and Ray came to the A's. He was in awe of the fact that we, the way we acted amongst ourselves in the dugout and the locker room. But uh, come game time, got between the white lines, we did our job the best of our ability. And uh, five divisional titles and three championships in between that. Hey, man, I'm still beating my chest, and I'm proud of the fact that I was sunk. Of, proud of, I'm proud of the fact that I was part of something so special that people are still talking about, like I said, Chris. You know, when I think about you coming up at that time, obviously 71 was such a huge year, and, you know, you're winning all the awards, and you're on every, as we mentioned earlier today, you were on every single magazine and everything. I mean, how was that? Was that hard to take in, just the stardom that just came out of nowhere? You're a small-town kid. Now you're a rock star. Chris, deer in the headlights, uh, green is a $2 bill, and... um, I had the support of guys like Mudcat, Grant Vetches, who had been around, and Tommy Davis, who played for the Dodgers at one time. I actually roomed with those guys my first two years in the major leagues before they got traded away. Tommy went to Baltimore. I think Mudcat went back to the Pirates as a uh, spot reliever out of the bullpen. But those are the guys that passed the torch on to me, talked to me about how to deal with the media, how to deal with fans, how to deal with critics. And, uh, you know, the thing to do is just – know what it means to be a major league player on and off the field and and uh some of that stuff rubbed off on me but uh it was a thrill for me to be there and again it was a deer in the headlight i don't know how i got through man i just took it all in stride to uh one thing i'm proud of that that you didn't mention 
I got a chance to go to Vietnam with Bob Hope in 1971, the winter of 1971. I was in Da Nang, Vietnam on Christmas Day. But the irony of that is I could have been one of those guys because I was 21 years old at the time, and the, the Vietnam conflict was it was that full bore at that time. But I joined the Army Reserves. I worked at the Oakland Army Base for six years during the time that I was playing Major League Baseball. So I did double duty, man. And uh, I'm a patriotic SOB. I sang the anthem. I even sang the Canadian National Anthem. <laughs> All my jackets have pin lapels on them. So, uh, you know, baseball opened that door for me to be in the military. And I'm proud of the fact that I was a uh, United States Army Reservist. Yeah, people don't realize, probably the younger generation, how just an international star Bob Hope was and where he went around the world for the troops like no other. So to be a part of that, my God. Hey, man, I did a skit with him. I remember this like it was yesterday. In the, in the skit, he says, uh, hey, Viter, thanks for coming along on the show. I said, okay, you're welcome, Bob. We had, uh, we had uh, Johnny Bitch last year. He was a big hit with the girls. And my line was, you know what they say, Bob. He said, what's that? Rex were made to be brokers. <laughs> <laughs> he was a big hit with the girls. I'm like, hey, hey, Bob, you know what they say. That's, what's that? Records were made to be brokers. <laughs> All right, man, that's good stuff. Oh. <laughs> you know, when we talk about getting together now with these guys, and, you know, you guys have your own, own world, and us media people are going to ask you, but what's it like when the media goes away and you guys just get to talk about the good old times? It was a long time ago, but it was something special. It was uh, it was good to see us on the bus with the families on the bus today. Two guys did a rewind, went back to a situation in Texas where they had been out drinking. They were working their way back to the hotel, and they said they pulled into this redneck bar, and all the cowboy hats were on the hat rack in this bar, and one of the guys grabbed one of the guys' hats. And I, didn't, I can't tell you the rest of the story because this is a family show, Townsend, and I got to respect that. But they luckily got out of there with their lives, man. You know, we're talking about Dallas, Texas, a redneck bar in Dallas, Texas in the early 70s. You just don't do that. <laughs> they're glad they, they were lucky that they're here talk, telling, telling this story, man. Yeah, there's no question. Let's end on this. How's how's the kids, the girls, how's the family, how's the golf game? How is life now for Vita Blue? Hey, man, my engine warning light came on a couple of times. So, you know, I'm I'm trying to keep myself mentally strong but physically fit. And, you know, I go to the gym. I've cut back on my golf. Uh, during the pandemic, I hadn't gotten my shots, and I quit playing for a while just for my own protection and everybody else's. But uh, I'm going to get – I promised myself that the month of June, I'm going to go back out. I'm going to hit from the white tees. I'm going to get my game together. I'm going to move back, not to the championship tees, but I play I play from the tips every now and then, not to pro tees. But uh, life is good for Vita Blue. I have no complaints. And uh, uh, as of right now, the world is still my playground. Well, I always say this. You're just not an Oakland A's legend. You're a Bay Area sports legend, and everything that uh, you did, because there's so many fans, and, you know, both sides of the Bay, whether it's Oakland, San Francisco, uh, your career's fantastic. But more importantly, you've been one of the greatest guys that I've ever been around covering uh, all these years baseball. So thank you for everything you've done for us. Some guys like you make my job easy, <laughs> for real, and thank you for being so kind to me. I mean, he really is. He's really one of the nicest guys, and it's genuine, and um, – it's always really special to have a conversation with Vita Blue. He's truly one of the greats.
And you think about his time, and man, awesome. Why do people keep calling me? You're really popular. It's probably because we had. Uh, it's spam. It has nothing to do. No uh, one's calling me. I would say maybe people are calling you because you had uh, Jared uh, Koenig's dad on, and they wanted they wanted to know how it went. It's unbelievable. Wait, so hold on. I do have a bone to pick with Feldy. We're considering Vacaville part of the Bay Area, but Santa Cruz isn't. Santa Cruz is not one of the I nine know, Barry but, but I'm going to count Vacaville, which is by Sacramento. It's not near Sacramento. I mean, it's closer to Sacramento than you don't know the Bay Area. You're from Pittsburgh. I don't. I don't consider that the Bay Area. People, there's people that here will literally tell me San Jose's not part of the Bay Area. No one will say that. Uh, okay, I'm on Twitter a lot more than you. People don't think San Jose's part of the Bay Area. They think Silicon Valley is, and that that is your problem. You hang out on Twitter, and Twitter that's develops been, opinion. I know that's Bay Area people that don't think San Jose's part. How of do you know they're Bay Area people when thirty something percent of everybody on Twitter is a bot? They have pictures, actual photos. They're actually from the Bay. People yeah. are actually fr- from the Bay Area, and they say that Santa Clara County is not Bay Area. Not they didn't say Santa Clara County. They just say San Jose. San, San Jose is in Santa Clara County, which is the largest county I, in oh, the I Bay know. Area. Do you count Morgan Hills the Bay Area? It's in Santa Clara yeah. County. So I'm the same way. I count it too, but there's people who say Morgan Hills not the Bay Area. Well, it's not the Central Coast. It's part of Santa Clara well, County. Well, it's not my fault. <laughs> Ignorance is not my fault. <laughs> and if you're that ignorant and you're listening to people on Twitter, who – see, that is the problem with people like yourself. You hang out on Twitter all day long. So you see stuff like that. Well, remember, I'm like you. I read. I believe everything I read on the internet. But seriously, you see, I don't see that because I don't hang out on Twitter all day long. Oh, I mean, I'm not, I don't use it like when would when would somebody say that San Jose, California, is not in the Bay Area? It's whenever things. It, it, usually, it's when topics come up about different stuff going on in the Bay Area, and they're like, San Jose's not Bay Area. Silicon Valley is not Bay Area. I, you're you're preaching to the choir here because I defend that it is part of that. And what do they say? No, no one ever responds. Well, no, you're not from here. You don't know. No, but I've lived here for 10 years. I it's, think I would know. There really are people that live in the Bay Area. So is, I don't know, Marin not the Bay Area? I think it, well, of course, I think it is. Well, if you're in one of the Bay Area counties, yeah, yeah. you're in the Bay Area, for God's sakes. Hey, the time. Uh, is Pleasanton not in the Bay Area? Dublin? Is Livermore not in the Bay Area? Uh, I believe they all are. They're all part of the one of the nine. Is it nine Bay Area counties that we have? Where, where? Okay, I'm going to play your Twitter troll game. Where, where are these people from who are saying this? Probably most likely San Francisco. Okay, first of all, majority of people who live in San Francisco aren't even from San Francisco. Yeah, they're all transplants like myself. They're transplants and they're renters. Yeah, like myself. But I don't live in San Francisco. I live in San Jose. So you think it's so? The people that you see saying this are from San Francisco, or they live in San Francisco. Um. Yes. So I was looking at text from Felding. So people in San Francisco think that if you're not in San Francisco, you're not in the Bay Area? Uh, that's the, the elitist mentality sometimes I get from people, yes. So is like Palo Alto the Bay Area? Anything down the 280? Is that Bay Area? Uh, down to it. Yes, it is. Well, it depends how far you go down because then you're – well, because no one – I'm sorry, I was thinking of 35 and 1. Then you're getting closer to Santa Cruz and Half Moon Bay – so Half Moon Bay, part Bay of the Bay area. area. Yeah, that's so, just that's just you know what that is. We just gave time to pure ignorance. <laughs> I was looking to see what people are saying, and um, people are saying 
one guy was saying that he was getting calls from random phone calls and spam from Hayward, like you were getting potential you know spam calls. Oh, I got like I'll even give you a message, folks, that I got while we were doing the show. Um, hi, this is Andy from Bergen Page. Just calling you back just to let you know that your screws are not yet there. They've been sent out, possibly could be here by today. So if you want to give us a call back this afternoon, I can. Screws? What is that? What? I haven't ordered any <laughs> screws. <laughs> well, the construction in the studio has been done for a few months. Uh, I can tell you right now, who's ever called me, I have not ordered any screws. I just, you know what it is? I've had my I've had the same numbers since like the late '90s, so I everybody has probably bought and paid for my number for how many how many times over? Yeah, um, I'm on probably every spam list <laughs> in California because I've had my number so long. I'm I'm trying to get in contact with the great Chip Carey. Um, he was supposed to join us via video, so I'm, I'm asking if he's having problems getting in or because uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe the Braves are doing a media session that. You forgot about or I don't know about. Golden Road. What are we playing? Oh, the six-pack of tickets. Yeah, I'm just promoting ticket sales and everything's going on at the ballpark this summer. Next here, I'll switch. Sweets. Nice. We can switch the, the banner here that has social media to Friday four-pack. Nice. Did I, I – I didn't fully get into how I'm changing the postgame show tonight, did I? Uh, no. Because I don't want – I have all these notes that I really don't want to get to because they kind of upset me. Um, I could give you Yankee knowledge, which I really don't want to do. I put some stuff in there about the Yankees, too. It's, there's some good stuff in there from I saw today about the Yankees after they win yesterday. Yeah, do you know when the Yankees go 40 and 15 to start a season, they do go to the World Series? It's pretty impressive. Every time? Do they win the World Series every time or just go? Uh, I just have they want they went to the world every single time that the Yankees have gone forty and fifteen in their first fifty five games, they have made it to the World Series. Now, remember, a lot of those times, you just had to win the American League and you were in. There weren't always playoffs, but it's nineteen twenty six, nineteen twenty eight, nineteen thirty nine, nineteen forty two, nineteen fifty three. Where you definitely did, we're dealing with playoffs, 1998. Winning it, by the way, every year but 1926. So there you go. So out of the one, two, three, four, five, six times, five out of six times they won that World Series. They're off to the best start in a 55-game mark since? They're off to the best 55-game mark start since which team? Would that be the... 01 Mariners? Correct. Oh, God. Your, your infatuation with each year on the Mariners is so obvious. 43 and, tw- uh, 43 and 12. How'd that won. work out? Uh, they lost in the first round, too. Cleveland. Wasn't it the Yankees? I don't know. I think they lost I'm to the Yankees. Guessing. They lost to the Yankees in the first. In the, uh, but the other team to start, the last team to start 40 and 15 was the 98 Yankees. Who'd they lose to? Uh, they didn't. They won the World Series. Yeah. To the- They're a pretty good team. They won. They won the World Series against the Padres. Do we have? Do we have him? I believe so. Let's see. There he is. How I'm are you? I'm good. I'm in the hallway behind the press box. All the booths are so filled because the A's are in town. Well, you know when the A's come to to the southeast, you know we're packing a lot of heat, and uh, it's it. it's going to be a crazy series. Hey, welcome to our new studio, our new get up. How are you? 
I'm doing great. Uh, glad to be with you guys. Good to see some old friends with Oakland here. Mark Kotze and Stephen Vogt and Christian Bethancourt. Uh, those are all guys that uh, we remember fondly here in Atlanta. And once you guys leave town, we wish them all the luck in the world. Yeah, how about uh, whether it was Pache or Vote getting their World Series rings? That's always special when guys that were a big part of what happened down there and they end up getting their rings. It's always a great moment when the club can show the appreciation. And, you know, for those guys getting that beautiful World Series rings, which are absolutely gorgeous, just talk about how the ceremony, it looked really nice from all the way here in Oakland. Yeah, it's yeah, it's great. I mean, anytime the the guys that had such a big part, uh, even a minor part in what the Braves did last year, deservedly so, get uh, that beautiful piece of hardware. I talked with Stephen Vogt about that uh, just a few minutes ago. This is a guy that's played 15 years in the major leagues, and this for any player, any broadcaster, any executive to uh, reach that pinnacle and get that kind of reward is a very, very special thing. Look, Vogt doesn't know how much longer he's going to play, uh, but to get something like that, to, to know that he's remembered and he's forever going to be linked with that uh, 2021 Braves team is a very, very special thing. And the same for Christian Pache. Uh, he's so talented. He's such a great kid. Uh, he's really a sweet human being. And uh, who knows how many rings he's going to end up in his major league career. So uh, no matter who comes to town as a former Brave, they'll always be remembered here. The fans have given everybody a big round of applause, including Jorge Soler when he came in the other day with the Marlins. And uh, the same reaction of every player is seen on their faces when they put that ring on, that beaming smile from ear to ear when they get to put that uh, beautiful ring on their hand. uh, It's really special for all of us, certainly for them. Yeah, we had former A's coach Ron Washington, who means so much to this fan base. We all love Wash. We had him on the program yesterday. And we were just talking about the start for the Braves, not the start you wanted, but kind of like last year wasn't the start. But next thing you know, you started to turn it on. The Braves are turning it on earlier What's the vibe like now with the team now that it's over 500? You know, the thing about this team is that's kind of remarkable is there really isn't a change in the vibe. This club was very optimistic about themselves, even when things weren't going so well. And you're right, it is kind of a mirror of what happened to this team last year, although they've gotten over 500 much earlier in this season. I think the biggest difference is obviously you have Matt Olson. You don't have Freddie Freeman. That's very different. You have, uh, you know, Jock Peterson's playing for the Giants. Jorge Soler is playing for the Marlins. Charlie Morton hasn't quite been himself yet. And the major difference is that the New York Mets have gotten off to such a great start in our division. Last year, the Phillies, the Mets, the Marlins, all those teams couldn't bury us. And they lived to regret that uh, when the Braves played 667 baseball the rest of the way. But uh, with personnel in that locker room, with the belief that they have in themselves and knowing that they've been down this road before and with 110 some odd games left to be played, uh, their confidence has not wavered at all. And quite frankly, after their road trip in in, uh, Colorado and Arizona, uh, before they went to Colorado, Brian Snitker had a team meeting and said, look, guys, we've got to concentrate on the little things and start concentrating and focusing a little better on playing winning Braves baseball. They haven't lost a game since, and all those little things have added up to this nice winning streak and has them trending in the right direction as we uh, get into the middle, middle days of June. You know, we're always going to root for our buddy Matt Olson. He's such a great guy, and we're happy for him to go back home as he grew up a Braves fan and got that nice contract. But, you know, you're trying to replace Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman was like the new generation Chipper Jones. Uh, Just now that we've gone almost, you know, 60 games here, what is that whole Freeman being gone, Olson being in – hasn't been easy obviously and you're still seeing highlights coming out of los angeles how good freddie's doing just that transition what's that been like for the organization 
Uh, different. Look, uh, I, I, as someone who has followed the footsteps of a legendary person in the broadcast booth, I can tell you how hard that um, it's not easy. You know, you're trying to find your own way and you're trying to do it yourself. Heck, I had to do it with the same last name. So that part of it's hard. Uh, but for Matt Olson, look, he's not Freddie Freeman. He doesn't have to be Freddie Freeman. Uh, the fans in our town, look, with all due respect to the Oakland A's, they're not staying up late at night and finishing uh, Oakland A's games at midnight out on the West Coast. I don't think they realized how good a player Matt Olson is. Look, we're looking at this through the prism of what we already know. Freddie Freeman was born and raised a Brave. He won an MVP here. He won a World Series here. He won a gold glove here. He was a known commodity. And for whatever reason, he, his agents and him and the Braves organization couldn't come to an agreement on a new contract. And so Alex Anthopoulos did what wasn't easy and did what he thought was right for the organization and got a hell of a player. We know about Matt Olson's pedigree. Uh, but as Brian Sinker, our manager, said after the game last night, new town, big contract, playing at home, getting married, uh, changing leagues, all of those things are and, and following a legend. Those aren't easy things to do. And if Matt Olson is just the, the if I can use the, the overused cliche, if Matt is just the best version of himself, the Braves and Braves country is going to be very, very happy with this man for the next seven, eight years. He's a good player, a great guy. He's home. And uh, our fans are, are, are really beginning to embrace him as he's getting more comfortable producing, obviously, and the team's winning more games. Well, I got to tell you, uh, watching Acuna get healthy and hot at the same time is not good for the Oakland Athletics. But since we're all baseball fans, it's good for the game of baseball. It reminds people that this kid truly, at his age, is one of the best players in the game. He is so electric, so dynamic. Just how nice is it back to see him healthy and being able to be him again? Yeah, well, absolutely. I think you said it exactly right. When the big stars of the game can't play, that's not good. When Bryce Harper's hurt, when Mike Trout is hurt, uh, when Ronald Acuna's hurt, that's not good for anybody. Uh, and certainly for the Braves, um, it's really remarkable that they were able to win the World Series with this guy out right around the All-Star break last year. But uh, he's a five-tool talent. He said he feels great. He feels 100%. He's not quite 12 months out from the injury and the surgery. The Braves are still going to be very careful and monitor his workload because obviously they can't afford to lose him for an extended stretch of time. But quite frankly, there's nothing that Ronald Acuna can't do. I do believe he's still just scratching the surface of his enormous talent. And look, uh, for us old dinosaurs, he plays the game in a, in a new and unique way that ruffles some feathers. Uh, a lot of people love it. A lot of people think, what the heck is he doing out there? But who cares? As long as he's hitting home runs, making great plays in the outfield and goes to the post every day, uh, he can go out there wearing a tutu as far as I'm concerned. And hopefully he'll have another great game tonight as we need another win to keep a little pressure on the Mets. We're playing out west later on tonight. Well, you were practically born at a baseball field, the amount of baseball you watched growing up. You're trying to tell me guys didn't round third and, and, and do the do the thing at home plate back when you were a kid watching baseball? They might have done it once. <laughs> 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 but to each his own, you know. And, and look, like I said, it's an entertainment business. Uh -huh. And I personally, I don't have a problem with it at all. Uh, as long as the hitters understand that, it, that it's fair game. If the pitchers strike them out, they can uh, do cartwheels and do whatever they want to do. Uh, I think it adds a little bit, a lot to the, the, uh, the beautiful stew that is baseball. Uh, it's a multicultural game. It's a multimedia game now. And uh, in some ways it is played like a video game, which is not a bad thing for the audience we're trying to attract. And uh, like I said, some old timers might take exception to it. But if the, the hitters are going to do the uh, ice tray and they're going to do the punisher like LeBron, then the pitchers can do the same thing. And if it makes for great TV as a TV guy, I'm all for the entertainment factor. Yeah, I got to think. I, I know with our players and, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen a dust up for something like that. I got to think just the modern, yeah. these younger players, 
they just don't care. They just understand it is part of the game, and and a lot yeah. of them enjoy it. Yeah, well, they grew up with it, yeah. right? And so, and I, and I think that's the key word. They enjoy it. Look, it's it's not my game. Uh, you know, it's it's not the old uh, owner's game. It's the player's game. It really is, and it's the fans' game. And the fans like this kind of thing. I think there's a a line that 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 you know maybe exists in our sport, but. You know, you think back to the old days, the old unwritten rules and look, you can't do this. You can't do that. Baseball was so staid and everybody had to wear the same color shoes and all that kind of stuff. Look, our game is in the economic battle of its life with all the other entertainment options that there are in the world. We've got 8000 cable TV channels. We have more sports leagues than ever before. Anything that is done to draw eyeballs to our sport and showcase the remarkable talent that we are seeing, the generational talent that we're seeing in our game right now, I think is a good thing. And if that means it's a bat flip or a pitcher, you know, getting excited like Tyler Matzik did when he struck out Mookie Betts in the playoffs last year, I say bring it on. The more the merrier because uh, we need eyeballs on the game. We need eyeballs on these great players. We need these great players on the field. And that's a big part of the entertainment value that they provide us every night. Speaking of entertainment, we're seeing our game really become – I mean, we're a platform. I mean, we've got games right. to offer, and that's why, you know, in our neck of the woods, Silicon Valley, the the Apple, Amazons of the world, they're interested in us because we provide – we're a platform. We've got games every single day and Peacock for Sunday mornings, and I just think about where we're going, but where we came from, and think about your family, from WGM to TBS – what your family has done in the broadcasting world of cable that's helped lead us to where we are today, I think that's something, and I know your kids are getting involved in it now. you got to be very – the Carey family should be very proud of your legacy of what you guys did in American television. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, my grandfather first started with the Cardinals in 1945. He saw yeah. almost every at-bat of Stan Musial's career. Uh, my dad started in 1976 with the Braves here with Ted Turner on the Superstation. Uh, I started with the Braves in 1991 and went to the Cubs and then came back here. So, yeah, a member of our family has been doing Major League Baseball for, what, 77 years, if my math is right. And my twin sons are doing the A's, or excuse me, are doing the uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks AA affiliate in Amarillo. And hopefully they'll be able to carry the torch forward in our sport. But, yeah, we're, we're undergoing massive changes in the industry, whether streaming is going to be the answer, whether the ball clubs take the product in-house, whether the RSNs continue to flourish as they have for so long. Um, as I said, whatever the outcome of that is going to be, the bottom line for me personally is I think baseball needs to do a better job of making our games more accessible rather than more exclusive. And with streaming, you know, there are a lot of people that don't understand that, that don't do it. And anytime you take games away from them when they're used to seeing 155 of them, I don't think that's the best idea. But I don't get a say in it, and I just uh, show up to work when they tell me to come and hopefully uh, keep people uh, entertained and informed for nine innings. Now, I have twin girls that are 16, so I'm wondering, mm -hmm. have your sons gotten an agent, and are they a package deal? <laughs> no agent. Uh, and no, they're not a package deal, but they are working together, which is a lot of fun. Uh, they have very distinct and unique personalities. They are yeah. identical twins. Um, and one's doing play-by-play, -play, the other one does color, and then they flip-flop during the course of the game. Uh, but they're really, really great kids. They look like their mom, thank God. They have their mom's <laughs> thank God. They have their mom's talent, thank God. So they're going to supersede me in a, in, in a big hurry, and I, I couldn't be prouder of them because as good as they are behind the microphone, they're even better as human beings. So uh, I'm really, really grateful for the job my wife and my wife's family has been able to provide. Well, I'm off saying ground ball to second in Pittsburgh on the 4th of July every year. <laughs>
<laughs> I know. It's like, it's amazing. Hey, what are you doing for Memorial Day? I'll be working. Hey, we I'll always. I'll be working. Enjoy the vacation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, we always appreciate the time. You're a legend in this game. And, you know, from, from a kid, when I was a kid growing up in San Diego, we got WGN. I'm talking like real early. And that's when I sure. first started watching your grandfather. So to watch all of the carries and then we're going to watch your sons is special. But personally, for you to come on this show, Ace Cast Live, and help us out while we're growing here, not only from a standpoint from radio and streaming, but now television. Thank you so much for the time. You're a legend in our game, and we always appreciate it. Well, you're way too kind. And as I say to people all the time, I'm as full of you-know-what in person as I am on TV. So uh, hopefully that came through in the interview. And I I love your banner over your left shoulder. All of us who love the game and appreciate the history of the Oakland A's. We all miss Ray Fossey. He was a wonderful man, and uh, hopefully his legend and his memory will live on in uh, Oakland just as much as my dad's here in Atlanta and Harry's in Chicago will. So best wishes and best thoughts always to Ray Fossey and the Ace family over that very, very sad loss. Be well, and let's talk later this season. All right, look forward to it. Good luck to you guys. The great Chip Carey right here on A's Cast Live. How cool is that? Huh? From the press box at Truist? Bank Field, what is it called now? Truist Park. Truist Park. What is it? Truist has got to be a bank, right? E- yes, in the greater Atlanta area. I don't know. I don't. I was just in Atlanta. I don't bank with them, but I'm sure that's what it is. Sure, it's not Waffle House. There's a Waffle House on every corner in Georgia. Uh, never been to a Waffle House. Never been to. A, you've never been to a Waffle House? Uh, no. My. Have uh, you ever traveled in the Southeast? My aunt lives in Savannah. All right. There's eight million Waffle. My aunt houses. owned a restaurant, so we went there. Like. They put them on both sides of the off-ramps of freeways. That's how many Waffle Houses they have in the southeast. I would have if my aunt didn't own a restaurant. So you got to, you know, support family business. Kind of like how your family goes to the chicken pie shop when they come here. Well, I mean, you can go to the chicken pie shop at Walnut Creek or you go to the San Diego chicken pie shop if you're ever in San Diego. Yeah, exactly. Why would I go to Waffle House when I can go to local restaurants? Because there's there? 8 million of them. That's it's okay. like one of the greatest. Waffle House. Anybody listening right now or watching right now who is from the Southeast, you know what I'm talking about. Waffle House might be the greatest restaurant business idea ever. They have thousands of them. What do they do? Breakfast, some little like dinner stuff, sandwiches, coffee. They claim to have the best coffee. I, I was there a couple times driving through Georgia and South Carolina recently. In my adventures of going to, you know, you know, this little sporting event they call the Masters. Well, um, flexing right now is what the kids say. You know, I mean, doesn't everybody go to the Masters? Um, yeah, I'm going, I'm going next year. Actually, I'm going to go watch the Live Tour. I, I'll go with you on that. I'm full support. I, I I'm see, in full support of free agency. I love it. I, I see Bryson and uh, Patrick Reed are now reportedly joining the, uh, joining the tour. With Phil and Dustin Johnson, let's get it going. Led by the shock, Greg Norman. People are so up in arms over this. Can you imagine this year during the lockout if baseball players had an opportunity to play in a uh, a different league? How many how many players if they could have got out of their contract and gone playing in a different league? Oh, it'd be more paying than, a ton of money. It how would many, be more than one. How many guys would say, "All right, I'm out of here"? Well, I saw everyone going. Well, Dustin Johnson's only joining for the money. That's 125 million dollars. I, I would. Same with Phil. I'm pretty sure I would go for the money, too. How many of our players during this lockout, <laughs> if they could have got rid of their contract and, and got signed for more money in a, in a different league, would have, would have said, adios. How many guys in the NFL would do that right now? A lot of them. 99.9% of all guys. Hey, come join our football league. We don't have a salary cap. Yeah, then the NFL, the NFL is a completely different animal. They would. 
They would, some guy would threaten to leave. They, they had the challenge of the USFL back in the day. Well, the USFL. How are we on time? This, these, they, these start times in Atlanta are messing me it's up. It's 3.20, so we still got about 10 to 15 minutes. All we, right. We, we can get into this. Hey, by the way, do you think the Cary kids will have an uh, – you think they'll be able to get a job? I think they'll be okay. I think they'll uh, – Are they like the Kuipers? If your last name's Kuiper, you've you got a good shot? Wow. Not shots fired. I, I it's agree. Not shots, not shots fired. I believe this. I believe. Uh, I believe. Chips. Everywhere you go in our business in the Bay Area, <laughs> there's a Kuiper. Yeah, I believe. I. I. I mean, Dwayne Kuiper's. I remember he was a little kid. I mean, Dwayne Kuiper's kid is now on television. I mean, if your name's Kuiper, you've got an opportunity. I was going to change my last name to Kuiper. Uh, I believe Chips' kids are calling Double A ball in like Oklahoma City or Tulsa. Glenn's kid's going to graduate from high school soon. Is he going in the broadcast? We should ask Kuiper next. You time. guarantee? You kidding me? He's going to be on Ace Cast Live. Yeah. He's gonna take my job. Yeah, you're out. <laughs> uh, Chris Townsend and what's it, what's it? God, Jack, Jack Kuiper. Chris Townsend and Jack Kuiper here, Ace Cast Live. Uh, we were talking about the Yankees. Let Actually, me... I think he's a football player. He's probably got better things than to do than what we're doing. Uh, we were talking about the. Good Yankees. Good luck to Glenn Kuiper's son, though. Too, I think it's a senior year coming up here in football. Oh yeah, best of luck. So one more year. Because and... remember, they're Wisconsin guys. Football's a big deal. They're Packers fans. Big Packer fans. Yeah. Um, Aaron Judge hit go his, pack go hit his twenty second home run last night. He's on pace. So for, what? He's on no because so what? Everything I listen to is well. Aaron Judge this. Aaron Judge that. Yankees. Yeah. Yankees. Win in the playoffs. He's on pace for sixty four home runs. You know what? Let him win all those games. Let him do all that stuff, and then they get in the postseason. They can't hit home runs, and then let's see. Let's see if they can slug their way to a World Series victory. When is the last time they've been in the World Series? That'd be 2009. And don't, every year, don't they hit a ton of home runs? Uh, yes, they were second in baseball in 2019. Wake me up when they make the World Series, and then I'll fall back asleep. Wake me up again when they win it. It's been since 2009. They've been running the same formula. Your boy, Jameson Tyon's unhittable now. Garrett Cole is using spider tack again, allegedly. <laughs> Wait, uh, they're not even the best pitcher on the team. Oh, Nestor. Don't sleep on Nasty. He could be the all-star game starter. You can cut fastball all you want till <laughs> the postseason, baby. Uh, you're, but you're right, though. Yeah, Wake me up when they get to the World Series and don't tell me. it's Well, it's because the Astros cheated. That's why we didn't win. So okay, first of all, that's Brian Cashman. It's the only person saying that. Yep. The only person buying that. And the reality is this. We got a bunch of teams to keep winning the World Series that you're like, well – I mean, the Rays were in the World Series against the Dodgers. Correct. You know, the Rays were good, but it's just you got to get in. That's all it matters. Get, yeah, you know what? Aaron Judge, it hit 8,000 home runs, win 114 games. Once we get to the postseason, it's 0-0. Zero and zero. Save me the whole Yankee hype train. Well, I don't, buy, I don't live on the Yankee hype subway. I got off that subway years ago. All right, let me ask you what's more likely to happen. This is because I, I'm just curious. The Yankees winning 116 games or Aaron Judge hitting 64 home runs? Because those are the two things I, I've heard about now multiple times today. God, you got us. You are just Buster only. You just you, you live. It's you. You know what? You live in that New York world. It's un, well. First of all, they love with the Angels, and then Buster said, "Okay, let's talk about the Yankees." Oh God. Um. What is it? Hundred I, I I will go Judge, and sixty four home runs over. I would have no problem. By the way, Aaron Judge breaking the all time home run record. 
Oh, 73. Are you, are we counting, are you still count Roger Maris as the all-time home run leader per season? You can count whatever you want. I got, I got a leaderboard. And until you take Bonds off the leaderboard, he's the yeah. leader. He's the leader on the board. Yeah, he had a good. He had a nice little year that year. So seventy three is the record. Whether you like it or not, whether you like Bonds, I am not a Barry Bonds guy whatsoever. He is the greatest player I've ever seen play. Uh, if Aaron Judge can get to seventy, and remember, runs, we got to watch his entire career not Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean Barry Bonds, the greatest player I've ever seen. They they were saying, well, Judge being on pace for sixty four. He would be the first guy to hit 60 home runs since 2001 when Bonds and Sosa both did it. Remember, Sosa did, it, did 60 home runs three out of four years. So Judge, But here's be- what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. I would lie. I would have no problem. Because remember, not ba- Fresno is not Bay Area. He's from Fresno, right? Fresno, yes. Fresno's not Bay Area, but it is California. I would have no problem with Aaron Judge hitting 74, 75 home runs Get Bonds out of here as the all-time home run leader in a single season and have Aaron Judge do it. And and I hate the Yankees, but it'd be good for baseball. It'd be great for baseball. Because remember, once football season starts, no one cares. We be, we, we're truly regional at that point, right? Once once football starts and it's, it's NFL and it's college, everything takes it. But if if Aaron Judge was going for the home run record in October, right, because the season goes till October 5th or something like that? Yes. If he's in October, that would be they're breaking away to every at-bat. It's New York. I would champion that. I may be throwing up in my mouth uh, later on if this happens. But as of right now, what's the date today? June 7th? 8th. 8th. On June 8th, I will say this on A's Cast Live. I will champion Aaron Judge breaking the all-time home run record. Okay. It'll be good for baseball. Because, you know, I've heard this on uh, MLB Now also mentioned it yesterday. They still think that the biggest suitor for Judge, if it's not the Yankees, is going to be the Giants. And I just don't see them throwing the money at him. Who? The Giants. Why Why, why do you see that? Do what, you, do you, are what, you, what, are, what has Farhan shown in his years of being with the team that he's willing to you, throw the money? Are you in their front office? No. Do you know what their finances are? Uh, no, but they're a big, they're, they have a big payroll. I mean, how do you know what they're going to do? I, I, I'm just looking at the track record. It's not there for big free agent hitters. Oh, they've offered money. Guys just didn't take it. Yeah, like Harper. First, I'll, give him, I'll give him credit for Harper. So what if they break the bank for Joe? What if they say this is the guy that we're going to break the bank on? Would you? We already went through the whole debate of would you give him two hundred million dollars. The one I heard now was uh, BK and John Heyman were talking yesterday. Eight years, two hundred ninety-eight million, which averages out to right on what Mike Trout makes. I'll just say this, and no offense to our friends across the bay, and if you take offense, I don't care. <laughs> You're gonna leave New York for San Francisco. Let, let, let me ask you that question again. No, I wouldn't. You're going to leave New York. Well, I talk about you all the time. You're going to leave New York, the Mecca. You're going to leave to go play in the cold weather every night in San Francisco with a with a seal and a foghorn? <laughs> really? Um, I mean, you want to be an all-time great? You want to be an all-time great? Do it in New York. You gonna leave in New- you gonna leave New York? 
I, I I love New York City. I've had some of the best times of my life in New York <laughs> City. Uh, New York's a great town. But I'm just saying, do I like the Yankees? No, I hate the Yankees. If I'm Chris Townsend, well, I am Chris Townsend. If Chris Townsend was Aaron Judge, if you put my mind in his body, there's no way in hell I'm leaving the New York game. Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of Derek Jeter? Yeah, he stay, uh, he hit it. Hey, who is Reggie Jackson with the A's and who is Reggie Jackson with the Yankees? Two different guys. You're going to leave New York, right? Are you insane to go play in San Francisco? What if he didn't leave New York? He just went to Queens. I love that. I love that idea that Steve Cohen with the throw. A ton Once of money. again, <laughs> I'm going to leave the Yankees to go play for the Mets. Different era. What? No, it's not. No, it's not. New ownership. They're willing to spend. You're not a Yankee. It's a whole different deal to have a monument when you die and a monument and a retirement of your number at Yankee Stadium than being a Met. I don't care what era baseball we're in. You want to be an all-time great in this game? You want to be... You're gonna you're you're gonna say no. I don't want to be enshrined at Yankee Stadium, so my grandkids and my great grandkids can go there and celebrate me as I'm a Yankee all-time great. Because I want to be on the Wall of Fame at Oracle Park. Who even knows what it'll be called when I'm dead in San Francisco? It's changed a lot of names. Well, you know it's gonna be called Yankee Stadium forever. You, 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 no, no, no. It's gonna be SBC Global Park. Come on, man. You leave it. Yeah. You'd be an idiot to leave the Yankees for anybody else. And once again, I hate the Yankees, but I respect the hell out of them. They are the number one professional sports franchise in American sports history. No offense to the Lakers. No offense to the Cowboys. No offense to anybody else. They're the Yankees. You're going to leave the Yankees to go play for the Giants. I even say the Dodgers, really. When you can be an all-time Yankee great, are you insane? The one thing I um, – Seriously. Here, here, to go play for the Mets? I, I could see him going to play for the Mets over the Giants. Still New York. Is it? Still media attention. If San Jose, if San Jose is not the Bay Area, is, is, <laughs> is Queens New York? Um, did you see the other big Dude, news? Have you ever been to Queens? Uh, no. I've only been. No, I've only ever been to. You've been to the Bronx. I've only ever been to Coney Island. Let me tell you something: the Queens and the Bronx. It's not Beverly Hills. Um, I don't know if you saw this today. Like for Giants news across the bay, I figured we always talk about this guy because everyone tells me he's a, tells us he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Joey Bart sent back to AAA today. Do you strike out on the way back? <laughs> Hey, how about the caller last? Did you hear the caller last night? Wanted to compare the the Giants to the A's. Uh, how so? I didn't hear it. No. So a guy calls in the post game show and he goes, "Yeah, the Giants don't have anybody, but they keep winning." I'm like, "What? Have you seen their stats?" Like he's like, "The Giants suck, but they win." Uh, I mean, no, the well, I you know what? Now I totally don't remember what his <laughs> point was, but it was something about Giants and the A's are similar, but the Giants win. I go, "Yeah, that's not that's not the case." Yeah. Uh, Giants still have some guys with rings. Yeah. Too. They still have some guys with experience. Uh, yes. And they they built a team that hits home runs. Also true. And scores runs. Uh, also true. So I went over, I'm like, well, Giants are, what, 
third in run scored, sixth in home runs or something? The only thing I would think I would compare the A's and Giants to right now, maybe their starting staffs. We're, we're, we're 18 games under 500? Starting pitching, I'm talking about. We're 18 games under 500. You're 18 games under 500. Is it 18? There's a 17. That's our record. Is it 20 and 37? I don't even want to look. We are 20 and 37. We're 17 games under 500. Let me do this for you real quick because I did this yesterday. I changed, I just no, I'm just going to tell you that when you're 17 games under 500, don't be comparing yourself to anybody. They're currently on pace to have the worst record in baseball. Don't, don't, don't. But that's what I'm getting at. I'm looking at – I'm trying to compare this. Well, I'm not telling you don't say uh, that. That's what I'm saying. Don't compare your – I mean, who are you going to compare yourself to? The Tigers? Well, they beat the Pirates. They swept the Pirates in Pittsburgh, so they're winning. Yeah, well, but but we're like one and two in slugging percent. We're slugging percent. We're like – it's a race to the bottom. Yeah. Right now, the A's are 20 and 37 through 57 games. They're currently on pace, according to Pocota, to have the worst record. They're going to finish with over 100 losses, which will be only the second time in Oakland Athletics history, along with 1979 when the A's went 58 and 54 and 108. They started 18 and 39 that year through 57 games. They were 11 and 20 at home. The worst year under Billy Bean, since he took over the organization in the late 90s, was 2015 when he went 68 and 94. Their, first, their record through 57 games, 23 and 34. Their A's are 20 and 37 right now. Okay, this is what I'm going to get into tonight in the postgame show. So if any of you are my postgame show callers, I don't want to hear the same stuff. I'm tired of hearing the same stuff. You got to come with something a little different. We got to come with uh, something creative. You just can't call up and say these guys are not going to win, okay? Captain Obvious. Can you get me <laughs> can you get me a drop of Captain Obvious? Oh, that's uh what's that commercial? Old uh, Spice. Is it Old Spice or I thought it was at hotels.com. Oh, ho- yeah, that's right. It's not Old Spice. He just looks like the Old Spice guy kind of. Yeah, I think I think it's Give I me think- some Captain Obvious cuz I'm t- I mean that's great. Team 17 games under 500 and you can call me up and tell me they're not good. Well, how'd you figure that one out, Sparky? I need more than that. Yeah, I don't think so. Thank you. <laughs> they gonna win the World Series? What? Why is it up? Oh, here we go. Yeah, I don't think so. That Larry David commercial it's really for, good. for Bitcom or I uh, mean Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Larry David. Oh, well, if you watch Kirby Enthusiasm, just watch it. Yeah. yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> so I want I want some unique calls tonight, and I'm going for it. I need unique. I I can't. I, Great. You're going to tell me they're not good? I, they're, they're 17 in games you, under 500. You, you might get unique because if uh, Jared Koenig pitches well, maybe people want to talk about him. All right. There you go. Can we put him on the list of top 10 players from the – well, Feldy said he's not from the Bay Area, but – I think he was born in San Jose. I should have asked his father that. You heard his father. The, uh, Greg Koenig was on earlier, right when we started the show. I've known his father for years. Uh, if he's from San Jose, I mean, or maybe he's born in San Jose. Yeah, but remember, Feldy prefaces by saying you have to go through your, your oh, primitive no, years he's, in high school. He's Santa Cruz all the way. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Okay. Because if you want to go born, take Ricky Henderson, throw him out. True. Chicago. wasn't born here. Was not born here. Did not grow up here till he was what two? Yeah, two. So those first two years, which are so big for your growth. He was not here. Well, I'm going to forward promote this on there real quick. You mentioned Ricky. We're going to have Howard Brown on who wrote a new book about Ricky Henderson. It just came out yesterday. 
Uh, Howard's going to be on with us tomorrow at 1.30, so we can talk to him all about Ricky Henderson and his days with the A's, the Yankees, the Mariners, Angels. Uh he might have been born in Aptos. Sorry, not Angels, I, Padres. He, he might have been born in uh, Aptos. Hey, first of all, I don't want to hear about – I'm going to tell you right now, when I interview him, I'm not talking about Ricky Henderson as an A. I'm not talking about Ricky Henderson as a Yankee. I'm talking about Ricky Henderson as an Angel, <laughs> as a Red Sox, as a Dodger. Blue Jay. Mariner. No, Blue Jay was – Padre. <laughs> Who am I missing? Uh, Met. 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 <laughs> I want to know about Ricky Henderson as a Met player and a Met hitting coach. He told a good story because um, Howard was on MLB Now yesterday, and he was telling – I guess back in 94, he was, I think his first year on the beat for the A's, uh, he covered the A's for like one year. And he remember he said it was his rookie year, and he, they were asking questions on the bus, you know, like where were you when Joe Carter hit the walk-off home run? And people are telling stories, and Ricky on the back of the bus goes, I was on second base. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. So I'll ask Howard about that tomorrow. So Ricky was on second base when, when Joe Carter at the walk off, yeah. So what was having to say that again? So Howard Bryant was on his I think he believed I believe it was his rookie year on the beat covering the A's. And they were on like the team bus and they were talking about like what where were you when Joe Carter hit the walk off home run against the Phillies? And everyone went through and named everything and Ricky yells from the back of the bus, I was on second base. <laughs> Quickly. Oh uh, sorry, not it was ninety eight. My bad. It was ninety eight. That was when Howard's first year on the beat was ninety eight. Quickly. Last team Ricky Henderson played for? Dodgers. Dodger great Ricky <laughs> Henderson. Or are we not counting that team in, like, Long Beach? The way no, – because he, he played for a team in San Diego, too, like the Waves or something like that. Yeah, so we're not counting them. So it went Oakland, New York, Oakland, Toronto, Oakland, San Diego – Anaheim, Oakland, New York, Seattle, San Diego, Boston, L.A. That was your Ricky Henderson order of teams. I, I can't wait to, to talk. 1979 all the way till 2003. Now, Vince and I did the, the documentary on Ricky during the lockout, but Howard did his whole career. Like, Vince and I did a lot of that, but Howard went through and did a, a bunch of – like, I'm going to try to get a copy of the book for us so we can check it out. But just, I just want to hear what the stories he heard were heard was that we might not have heard already. Which team did Ricky Henderson play the least amount of games with? Padres. No. Seattle. No. The Angels. Anaheim great. <laughs> 1997 for the, were they the Anaheim Angels then? What were they in, in, in the – they weren't California. 97, were they the Anaheim Angels? Uh, let's see. They might have been. He played 32 games. They, they're they considered the Anaheim Angels managed by Met, former Mets manager who does TV for them now. That would be the great Terry Collins. He actually spent more time in San Diego than you think. He was there in nine. He was there in ninety six, ninety seven, two thousand and one. Yeah, because in ninety six they were in the Padres were in the playoffs, right? Under Bruce Bochy, Ricky actually got his three thousandth hit and scored the all time uh, 
scored the most run runs, yeah, that made the, him the all-time run leader with the Padres. I, th- I think he also set the uh, the walks record. I don't know that. I think I think he did all three with them. If I could have any Ricky Henderson jersey, what would be the most obscure? I'm going Mariner. I, I would say Mariners or Padres. I want a Ricky Henderson Mariners jersey. <laughs> Wait a minute. What number did he wear? Uh, go to the Seattle. top, yeah. 35. All right. The great number 35, or I want a number 25 Ricky Henderson Dodger Look how many different numbers you wore for the ace. <laughs> 39, 35, 22. 24. 24. <laughs> That's what, three different oh, numbers? Oh, wait. No, you know what? I take it all back. I want another. I want a number 14 Toronto Blue Jays Ricky Henderson <laughs> jersey. Number four. He was 14, then was 24. My God. All right, well, that's all we got time for. So tomorrow, we'll have Howard Bryant talk about his book on Ricky. We'll have... Is Ricky Henderson aging better than the real story? I, th- I think he looks great for his age still. What is he? No, 60? no, no, I'm not talking about oh. how he looks. On his career, is his, a- is his career aging better than the actual career? I think so. Because we learned something in San Diego from the former GM of the Padres at the time, Sandy Alderson. You remember that? Yeah, I, I included that quote from from Sandy in the uh, documentary. Yeah, not to not to not not to start anything. I'm just saying, Sandy Alderson said there were people inside the building. No one doubt this is trying to get Ricky back from New York. There was no one doubting talent. They were doubting bringing him back for other reasons. And then you wonder why he played for how many different teams? Uh, nine total. Right? Yeah. I mean, I put that quote in there because I thought it was interesting when, when he told us that. I went back and So, I mean, you look at the numbers and you go, Jesus, this guy's one of the greatest players of all time. No question. But the amount of teams that he played for is crazy. For an all-time great. Is there an all-time great who played for as many teams? I doubt it. Now, you can't go back because you can't compare the guys yesteryear, the teams owned your rights, right? So, there was no free agency. In the free agency era, is there an all-time great? Because Ricky is just not a Hall of Famer. Ricky is in that Ted Williams, Willie Mays, Babe Ruth. What what are we putting as the – what are we Even though Bonds isn't there, Bonds. There's the all-time Stan Musial. There's the player. There's Hall of Famers, which and then they, they know this. Eckersley has talked about it. There's, like, the Hall of Famers, and then there's those. There's the legends of the legends, right? Yeah. Ricky's up there with those guys. Is there anybody in the free agency era who was the legend legend who played for as many teams? Not nine. But the only guys I can think of off the top of my head quickly that played for, like, five or more, Randy Johnson. I guess pitchers would be thrown yeah. out. Oh, okay. So I was going to say Maddox, too. Um, position pitchers players? Are, pit, pitchers, pitchers are different. Maybe they shouldn't be, but pitchers are, you know, you, you mean you don't, are moved around a lot easier than position you players. You mean you don't count White Sox legend Ken Griffey Jr.? How many? So he was Mariners, Reds, White Sox? Yeah. Then back to the So he only played for three. Yeah. Three's a lot different than nine, Cody. I know. I'm just, I'm just trying, nine. To, trying to think of guys off the top of my head that, that, that have, would have done this. A guy that if he would have stayed with one team would have had over 3,000 hits 
would have scored, what was the run total in the end? Your team, he would have scored 2,295 runs if he stayed his entire career with one team. 2,295 runs. What a, his records are stolen bases. He stays with one franchise, 1,406 stolen bases, 2,295 career runs, 3,055 base hits. Had 297 career home runs. I mean, Ricky did everything. His career for one team would have been an OPS of 820 after all after 25 years. Um, um, quickly, because we are out of time. Let's look at the guys that play for the most franchises. Most of these guys play for the A's. Edwin Jackson, Octavio Dotal, Matt Stairs. Wasn't Ron Vallone in A at one point? How many teams did Stairs play for? Stairs played for 12. Matt Stairs played for 12 teams? Yeah. I did not know that. Bartolo Colon, 11. Rich Hills, at 11. <laughs> Kenny Lofton's at 11. I didn't know that either. Uh, I'm just going you know what? Save this for tomorrow. This is actually an interesting list. But you know what you don't see on there? A Hall of Famer. Satchel Page played for nine. He's a pitcher, so we're, we're throwing him out. Is there any position player who's a Hall of Famer other than Ricky Henderson? Uh, I'm going to keep searching. Trevor Cahill. There's an A with nine. <laughs> uh, all right. I'll, we'll, we'll get into this tomorrow. Goose Gossage. Sal Fasano, another former A. Jerry Harrison Jr., friend of the program. Uh, I'll keep looking, but, yeah, we gotta, we're got we out of time. So, uh, uh, Mike Maddox, brother of? Greg. We'd like to thank Chip Carey. We would like to thank Greg Koenig, father of Jared Koenig, who's going tonight in his debut, and the great David Feldman for stopping by, and, of course, A's legend, Vita Blue. Tomorrow, Howard Bryant, Raleigh Fingers, and the great Tom Hamilton. From, ah, from the Guardians. Swung on and belted. And we're also taping this tomorrow wired on Friday. We're talking to David Esker, the head coach of Stanford. We will be breaking down the great Seattle Mariner, Ricky Henderson, tomorrow right here on A's Cast Live. We'll be back in a few minutes with A's Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.